I think we're live, I <laughs> Yeah, well, I tell you, that camera does not make me feel any more nervous. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Do I detect a, a hint of sarcasm in your voice there, <laughs> yeah, Mr. McCullen? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, have my mics going, have the cameras going. Brother, it's been emotional. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say to you? So, I was chatting to you, and have been chatting to you, over and back throughout this whole COVID lockdown fucking bollock. And uh, I basically asked you, how are you coping, how are you doing? And you said something on, along the lines of, uh, you're doing better when, you ha- when you're on top of your practices, I think you call them. And uh, we spoke a little bit about it, but not a whole pile, so we're hopefully going to flesh this whole practices thing that you've mentioned yeah. out a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I'll get you to shunt that chair a little bit closer into that mic. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, Start as we mean to continue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what are, what are these practices that you speak of? Uh, I guess they're probably practices that, I suppose, since the lockdown in January time and stuff like that, I actually took the time to sit down and kind of write them out. So, you know, there's been a couple of weeks of putting together, but I suppose what they really are is over the last 10 years, the different practices that I've done that I feel lead to my mind being healthy. Like, they definitely help to cultivate a healthy mind for myself. Like, you know, I, you know, I think a healthy mind is something you have to work at. I don't think, it, you know, I think if you if you let it go, it's like a garden, isn't it? If you don't kind of take out the weeds and all of that, it kind of runs right. But you've got to kind of cultivate your mind. And so these are, these are kind of the 10 practices that, you know, over trial and error or trying some things and, you know, trying other things and them not working that I've kind of for the first time sat down and just kind of wrote them out as to what they were like you know and I suppose I would call them the 10 practices to a healthy mind or whatever um, sounds like a book it uh, sounds like a book <laughs> except, I, except I wouldn't have the time to sit down to write a book so <laughs> yeah so it's better to come on a podcast and just talk to you about them <laughs> I'll write the book uh, you could write the book I'll give yeah. you a royalty or two yeah yeah but um, yeah so I suppose that's what they are they're kind of they're the 10 practices to a healthy mind and the the, the un, you know the they're underpinned by kind of two mottos. Like one of my favourite kind of uh, quotes is from Jack Wilnick and it's that, you know, there's freedom and discipline. And I I, I, I get that quote. I, I love that quote because the more disciplined you are in life, I think the stronger the person you are, I think, and the stronger the person you are mentally, like, you know. So, but I would I would have a little twist on what he says. So he kind of says like that there's, you know, there's strength or there's um, freedom and discipline. But I would kind of add to that that, uh, it's my belief that there's, you know, discipline is just like another muscle in your body that needs to be exercised. And the more you exercise discipline in your life, the stronger, you know, that becomes and the stronger you become. But the less you exercise it, you know, the weaker your muscle becomes and the weaker you become through that, I feel, you know. And I suppose it's kind of, you know, the other kind of thing that it's based on a lot is along the lines of that, you know, the more the more artificial stress that you bring into your life, when real stress comes knocking at the door, you're you're you've practiced and you're much better and capable of dealing with it. Like you know, because we all, everybody goes through you know stress in their life. Like you know, but I I feel through these ten practices, there are ways that when that stress comes, you've already practiced them. You've already you know put yourself into situations where you know you've had to deal with uncomfortable things. Like and I think the more you practice them things in a you know nearly like a virtual reality, the more you the more you kind of practice it. When it comes in real life, it's easier to deal with you know the hardships that do come. Like you know, because we're all we're all going to go through them, aren't we? You know. Oh, without a doubt. When you say artificial, you mean kind of 
voluntarily bringing stress into your life, yeah. almost going looking for it to a degree or, yeah. or putting yourself in a position that you know is going to be stressful even though you could avoid it. The idea being the more stressful situations you voluntarily put yourself in, the better equipped you will be to deal with stresses that you don't go looking for that, yeah. that actually come to you because they're always coming like exactly that exactly like and you know what you know one of the practices is even like even in regards to exercise by you kind of exercising and pushing your body and pushing your mind and pushing it and pushing it you're making yourself stronger so you're making yourself stronger for when real stress comes at you that you know you you've you've you know the big part of exercising is, is you're growing in confidence when you're exercising. Like you're, you're mentally feeling stronger and you're physically feeling stronger. So when that stress comes, you don't, you don't just, you know, collapse in on yourself. Like you don't just fall apart when that stress comes because you've done some of these practices. And I think, I think that's what it is. It's about building character and it's about building strength within yourself. Do you know? Yeah, no, without a doubt. And you're reminding me of another little saying. Um that's just instantly gone out of my head. Um, <laughs> Nothing to do with the camera. No, no, no. No, it can come back to me. Uh, but I, it's just, I yeah, like yeah, to say, on. you know, that idea, you know, I, I don't want to claim that as my idea. Like, I would have heard Joe Rogan talk about that quite a lot, like, you know, and that's, you know, it, I, I think he's instilled that in me, that idea in me. And I, I, I do think it's a very good idea, like, you know, that bring that stress into your life artificially and then you know when it when it really comes then you can you know you're strong enough to deal with the real stresses of life you know that's not to say that you you, that's not to say that you're going to you know deal with them and they're not going to happen they're obviously going to happen but i think you're better able to deal with them because you're somewhat prepared you know no absolutely and preparedness is actually you have to bring me back into the room for what i was going to say there the saying, or the the, the little soundbite that I'm remembering that, you, that you've reminded me of is, we don't rise to the level of the occasion; we fall to the level of our training. Mm. So you might say to yourself, or somebody might pose the question to you, like, "What will you do if something terrible happens to you?" And you might say, "Oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll overcome it." But unless you've trained to cope in those certain circumstances, you won't rise to what you think you'll do. You'll just fall to what you've been practicing, what you've been, what you're capable of doing. And yeah. if you, if you haven't trained yourself or practiced to be better at dealing with stressful situations, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to, as the expression goes, fall to the level of your training. Like. Yeah, I know. It's a lovely quote. It nearly reminds you of, you know, when you'd hear somebody saying, oh, if I got mugged, I do this, I do this. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, like are, you, like, are you trained to fight like that? Like, if that person's got a knife, because, like, oh, if someone came and attacked me with a knife or whatever, and you're like, yeah, well, are you trained to fight or whatever? No, no. Well, there's a real good chance you're not going to do any of that, like, isn't there? Like, re- replace, replace the guy with the knife yeah. with your kid getting sick or your man being in a crash or yeah. whatever the or fucking... Death. Oh. Or you know, or the loss of a loved one who's yeah. very close to you. And that, that's not to say that these practices are going to stop you from hurting from that or anything, but, you know, you might not fall apart as much you know, if you've got if you've got practices to kind of to lean on to help you through them things, you know. Yeah, no, I, one thing I'm, I'm conscious of is that the two of us have an idea of what we're talking about when you say practices. Mm. But can you concretize exactly what a practice is, or is there have you a list of them, or how many yeah. of them are there? Or <laughs> yeah, well, I, I brought a list with me, right? First person to bring oh. notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I brought them because me having the memory of a very small goldfish, I thought <laughs> rather than sitting here and you asking me that question and me kind of, oh, what were the ones that I was going to say? I said I'd write them down. Well, look, rhyme them off. Yeah, and so, we'll we'll go through them. And I, I think. can do away with the list then. So it's uh, so diet, both physical and mental, and that's including the likes of fasting and things like that. Okay. Uh, so you've got exercise, you've got breath work, which is your meditation, the Wim Hof breath work, 
the one I'm kind of finding, you know, that I'm enjoying most now is where I'm working with uh, my drum. You've got cold water therapy. You've got prayer and gratitude, yoga, sleep, community and sobriety. So they would be the 10. So they're the 10 practices for a healthy mind is what I would call Okay, what's, what's the first one? Because we'll, we'll so, go through them as best yeah, we can. So the first one is diet. So both physical and mental. So, you know, you're... The better, I think, you know, the food you put into your body, the better the diet you have, like, you know, the better your mind is, like, you know, like, if you're constantly filling your body full of, you know, sugars and bad foods and things that are unhealthy for you, it's absolutely going to affect your mind. Like, they're they're doing more and more studies now on the gut and they're showing that kind of what's happening within the gut is massively affecting what's happening within your brain. So if you're constantly loading up on sugars and, you know, bad foods and, like, I've heard you talk quite a bit on the podcast, obviously, because you're think you're or you're doing your your own diet yourself, like on you know the negative effects of sugars and things like that in your body, and like that has to transpire to having an unhealthy mind. Then afterwards, like if you're, we, I think we we need to take more of an a holistic approach, an holistic approach. Uh, to, de- to dealing with our minds and our bodies the two of them are completely interconnected like we, you, we we tend to kind of separate them a little bit don't we like you know where you kind of oh yeah well I exercise and all that but you know I don't do this or I don't do that like but the mind and the body are supposed to be in sync with each other like you know and by doing you have to work on both in order for that to happen or whatever but I definitely think your food the more the better the food you can put into your body the better you know the healthier your mind is going to be you know and both physically and mentally as well. Like even when the stuff that you're putting into your mind, like if you're if you're constantly watching TV and it's nothing but negative stuff and it's nothing but fucking war and it's nothing but things like that, like it has to have an effect on your way of thinking. And it, it was as you were saying in one of the previous podcasts about music, how listening to music that is is quite angry let, let you to be quite angry or whatever. So I think if you look at the the mind and the body the same way, like we're we're all struggling with social media and all of that kind of stuff. If you're if you're constantly scrolling through, you know, negative kind of just nonsense really, like you're just you're you're cultivating an unhealthy mind with that, like, you know. Oh, very much so, very much so. And I think that the science very much backs you up in relation to what f- the food that you eat and the, the, not the health of your body per se but the health of your mind I believe upwards of is it 90 plus percent of all serotonin is produced in your gut by your gut microbiome right yeah. so like you're, you're you literally and again let me pull back a little I'm beginning I'm increasingly becoming of the opinion that you when you're born it's a bit of a genetic lottery you could get a long straw or a short straw or a medium sized straw you're basically just you're stuck with what you've you, what biology has given you right. but after that then you become whatever you you feed it I mean I think is, is it on a, a painting in your house that the two wolves yeah can you just outline that for people there what the, the meaning behind it because I think there's an analogy between that and and the food the, the actual food that you put in your body yeah so it's it's an old it's an old Cherokee Indian uh, proverb and it goes along the lines of that there's a there's a grandfather and he's talking to his son and he says to the son he says son or sorry to his grandson and he's saying to his grandson he says grandson inside every man there's two wolves fighting one is fear jealousy anger rage um, short temperedness the other is love forgiveness um so love, forgiveness, empathy, um, 
all of the good things, I suppose, you know, and a uh, uh, grandson asked the ch- Cherokee in these is uh, which one, which wolf wins? And the grandfather replies, the one you feed. So the more you feed into it, the more you feed into the negative aspects of your life, the stronger it grows. Whereas if you feed into the positive aspects of your life, then it will grow stronger. Like, you know, well, I, I think that in the analogy that I'm going to draw there is that inside you, there's a, a sick, unhealthy hateful person and there's a healthy full of vitality loving person and I think the healthy fit loving person eats you know meat and vegetables for the most part <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. and you, you you feed you you become what you fuel yourself to become yeah so like it's no secret that big fat people for want of a better term they don't have healthy lifestyles or no. healthy diets. I mean, it's it's not fucking rocket science, yeah, like yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that might be a fairly base example, yeah. but if you're humming along and you're not a big fat person, but you just have a shitty diet and you're kind of getting away with it, I think people will be very surprised in the changing in mood that they might have from just from just just changing their diet and be being more be more aware of what they're eating and why they're eating it and where it comes where it comes from. Now I'm not talking about, you know, weighing your food and being yeah, yeah. fucking, you know, mad anal about it. it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But just just that idea of getting a, a diverse um a diver- having a diverse diet and having a diverse healthy diet and it's no harm having the odd treat here and there but so long as it's your your entire life just revolve around processed foods and yeah. convenience. Convenience foods. Like there's you were saying that diet is of the body and the mindset and there's there's shitty mind food out there social yeah. media is to blame for a lot of that like. no, now don't get me wrong I, I'm, I'm not on it per se I'm on it because of this but yeah. there's good and bad with it yeah. but I think for the most part people I've, I, I'm yet to hear people talking about how social media has had such a good impact on their life yeah do you know yeah, what I mean? No, it just seems to be absolutely. junk food for the mind, yeah. basically. No, that's all that it is. That's exactly what it is. Like it's, and you're you're kind of seeing more and more people where they're kind of saying to you, "Oh God, I you know I need to get off social media." Like you don't ever hear people saying, "Do you know what? Now I'm not spending enough time on social media." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's always anyone you're talking to. Like I, the best thing I done, I'd say, again, memory of a goldfish. I'd say it's about two years ago, but. I think it was about two years ago where I gave up all social media and hands down it was the best thing I ever done because I you know I'd always have excuses of you know because I used to I used to read quite a lot you know in previous years or whatever like but then all of a sudden I was finding no time no time for reading or no time for this or for that and I'd be saying to myself oh yes I don't have enough time that's why I'm not reading anymore gave up social media and I started devouring through books again and I was like so all the time that I've been you know now that I'm reading I would have obviously been spending on social media and things like that and it, 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 for me, I feel it can bring nothing good into your life. Like, do you know what I mean? Because the whole system is designed to draw you towards the negative aspects. It's this, you know, it's the same as our our media at this stage. Like, it's you know, blood cells, isn't it? Like, you know, so that's that's the same way they they understand that the best way to keep you engaged is to keep feeding you the negative stuff. Like, you know, so the more you're putting that into your mind, you're not cultivating a healthy mind with that. Like, you know, so that's why I say, you know. You can put the right foods into your body and feel great, but you also have to put the right things into your mind, like you know. Well, I think we, as humans, one one of the the best things about humans is how adaptable we are to our environments. Mm. So, 
depending on wherever we're supposed to have started out, let's say it was East Africa and we migrated up north through Europe and, and all that jazz, the reason that we were able to conquer every square inch of the planet is because of exactly that, how adaptable we are to our environment. It doesn't matter if, it, if you could bake an egg on a rock or if there's 10 foot of snow out there. We can make the most of what's around us and survive in different environments. But I think with social media and media generally, it it pushes it pushes us into shittier and shittier environments. And I don't think we're equipped mentally to deal with all these different environments no. because the food you eat is part of your environment. The media that you consume is part of your environment. These are they're kind of they're new environments. Do you know yeah. what kind of way? I don't think cavemen yeah. worried about their social media exposure yeah. too much. Do you know what kind of way? Oh, no, absolutely. But they, they, but they survived perfectly well. Yeah. We haven't had Facebook for 200,000 years. Yeah. So we haven't evolved any kind of neurology to deal with it. Yeah. We have neurology sitting there ready to deal with, you know, being attacked by animals and yeah. dangerous snakes around every corner. And I think that's what media generally has, has kind of hijacked. Yeah. And the more that they can suck you into that, the more of a grip they have on you. And there's a there's a voyeuristic element to it as well because there's something in us that kind of loves the, you know, tell me the worst bits. Well, it was the, it was the thing that kept us alive. When we when we were back, you know, hunter-gatherers and stuff like that, you needed, you needed to dwell more on the negative than the positive because it was, you know, by you knowing about the negative, that stopped you getting eaten by the lion. There was a bigger payoff. Exactly that. Well, it's what kept you alive and yes. it's what kept your clan alive. Like, you know what I mean? You needed to know the negative aspect of the lion that was in the trees or you needed to know about the snake that was on the ground or you needed to... So we evolved to look at the negative because it's what kept us alive but I think you know we're, we're no longer too worried about the snakes or the lions that are going to kill us like do you know what I mean so you're now fixated on a news that's coming at you so we would have evolved you know our mind would have evolved to care for the people within our tribe and to know that the news of the people within our tribe but now all of a sudden we've got this technology in our hand and we're trying to deal with all of the news that's going on all around the world and it's literally being just bombarded at you just Everything, pick your phone up, turn the television on, turn the radio on, pick up the newspapers. It's just bomb, bomb, bomb. And I don't think our minds has adapted quick enough to deal with such a, you know, an overload of information. And I think it's so hard. That's I think that's what I that's what made me most give it up was that it just it was too much. Like there was just too much news being given to me. And I got to the point where I was like. Well, what can I what can I do about any of that? Like uh, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm reading about it and I'm you know I kind of justified it to myself because I'm saying oh well it's good to stay informed, and while it is good to stay informed, it's not good to have it you know drummed into you every hour on the hour all the negative things that are happening in the world because it's as I'm saying I I feel you know your your mind to cultivate that healthy mind you need to have a healthy diet going into your mind like you know you need to have positive things you need to have surround yourself with positive people as well you know but that includes the news and the music you're listening to and the things you might be watching the more positive and that's not to say to completely avoid everything that's negative you have to you have to embrace the negative aspects of things too especially the ones that are, are within you but if you're constantly, if you're if you're constantly bombarded with that kind of negativity, it's only going to cultivate a negative mind. I feel, and you know, again, these are only things I can only talk about from my experience. So I can't say if that's right for you or for somebody else. But it's how that's how I found it. The more I was looking at that kind of negative stuff and that, the more it was kind of affecting my thought process and you know the way I was viewing the world as well. You know, 
No, very much so. It, it, this even feeds back into what you were saying earlier about voluntarily going after, vol, vol, looking voluntarily f- for stress to kind of make you stronger. When you're on your news feed and it's, you know, famine and genocide mm. and, you know, all this, the, the list is endless. That's that's not as voluntary as you might think. Yeah. Do you know what kind of way? Like, yeah. what, what you're saying is you're going out, you should go out of your way to see, to, to be stressed but intentionally, but I don't think people are. I think people are just like, oh, I wonder what's going on in the world today. Yeah. Almost almost tricking themselves into thinking, maybe there'll be good news today. Yeah, Do you know yeah. What I yeah. We, we keep going back almost in, in an endless search for somebody to turn around and tell us that all the wars are over and there's no more genocide yeah, and there's yeah. no more famine and that's Someone's never coming. Someone's come to save us now. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. And th- that's the other end of it. Like, people, people who want change, generally speaking want a new government mm. they want a new I don't know replacement for God but they, they want a new parent they want somebody to, to change everything yeah. like you know Trump is gone now all the corruption is gone We yeah. this Biden fell and he's just going to solve all our problems yeah. but like until we start focusing a little bit more on our own lives and what we can actually do well it's taken personal responsibility like I've lost I've lost count of the amount of people who've kind of said to me over you know oh you know I haven't I haven't heard of the government anything about you know uh, how to you know improve your immune system against this COVID like you know getting yourself a good diet and all that kind of stuff I'm just sitting there and going, that's a fucking two-minute search on Google. Like, do you seriously need the, go- the government to tell you what you should and shouldn't be eating to improve your immune system? Like, I think people, you, you need to take some responsibility. You, you need to take all the responsibility for yourself because there's nobody coming to fix this for you. Like, And you need to, you know, improve yourself first and, you know, stop always looking for, especially when there's it's something as simple as that. Like, you, you need to look these things up for yourself about what's good and what's bad for you. You don't... I think we're becoming, you know, a society where we're constantly being told what we can and can't do. Like, do you know what I mean? Even to the extent of, you know, these lockdowns and stuff like that. Like, do you need the government to tell you that you have to be locked down in your house? Like, do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a strange, it's a strange time when a government is able to tell you that you are locked down in your house for a year and that you haven't got enough responsibility to stay safe yourself. Like, do you know? Yeah, yeah. And no, look, without a doubt. Um, the other end of it then is, I suppose, if people are being told to do something, so let's say the government were telling everybody, you know, what they should be eating and what they yeah, should be doing, yeah. there's a a blame displacement there. It's like, oh, well, the government... Like, pe- I think a lot of people want to be told what to do so that they can blame the person who told them what to do when it doesn't work out for them. Yeah, yeah. But if, if, you go, <laughs> if, you go on, if you go online and you Google how to bolster your immune system and you figure it all out and it doesn't work for you... yeah. Well, then you've no one to blame. Yeah, yeah, Do you know that's what kind of true. Way? Yeah. Um, but that's diet of the mind and body by no means um, completely covered. But what's the, what's next on the list there? Um, so obviously your exercise and stuff. You know, and again, says, says you're, is that mind and body as well? No, I suppose this is a separate one. So the first one was kind of diet. The second one is kind of exercise. But that's no. But that's what I'm putting to you now. This second one, exercise. Would you consider? Should there be good exercise of the body and of the mind? Oh, or is um, or is a mind exercise exposing yourself to um, stressors? Let's say so that you're able to deal with them when the exp- exposing yourself to stressors voluntarily, so you can deal with them when they come to you involuntarily. Yeah, no, like I suppose the idea of ex- the suppose the idea of exercise, like I find, you know, when I'm exercising, 
I'm exercising my mind as much as my body because it's such a good place, especially if you know you've gone for a run on your own or if I'm hitting the bag on my own and stuff like that. Like my, I, it's a great, it's a great place to kind of think, think things through or you know things that you know issues that are kind of happening in and around my life that you know need a bit of thought and they need a bit of thing because y- you can get that bit of uh, solace on your own and it gives you that bit of time with no other distractions no phones or no you know no kids running around or none of that kind of stuff that's always there to distract you that you know when you go for that run on your own so it, it probably they probably are you know working in tandem together like while you're exercising your body it's a great opportunity you know to to think them things true in your mind that you need to be doing so I suppose it is probably for body and mind and it well it definitely is yeah because I find the more the more I exercise my body you know the clearer my thought process can be and stuff like that like it seems like you know like the, I suppose the one thing I probably missed from with the lockdowns and stuff like that is is you know not being able to hit a boxing bag like whether it's kind of down here you know when we're doing the, the um, martial arts training or like I I would normally like to go exercising first thing in the morning before work so I would go to the gym boxing bag in the gym I'm happy out there for 40 minutes doing rounds on the bag but it, it releases an incredible amount of kind of stress out of my body and stress out of my mind like I'm a much I'm a much happier person and I'm a much more you know my, my fuse is far longer when I when I've kind of got that out of my system or whatever, like sure, like if I haven't been to the gym in a while, like I think Elaine will be looking at me saying, right, this fella needs to get to the fucking gym before <laughs> I kill him. But uh, so it definitely is. So as much as you're working out your body, it probably is more for your mind. Like it's the idea of going to the gym for me is never really about you know being looking. That it's never been about looking good or whatever. Like that's just a byproduct of it. You look, you look well, you feel good, and you, your confidence builds from there. But it's always, it's always about working out the mind. Being honest with you, like because as I said, my mind is clearer, it's sharper. I'm a nicer person and I'm much my mind is much healthier after I've been kind of to the gym to work them things and you know the science is showing you know that it's all about you know releasing endorphins and all of that kind of thing but like for me it's definitely and definitely the big thing for me is hitting the bag that's what it is because it gets that frustration out and it gets that kind of you know I, I find I'm not near as angry when I'm doing things like that like you know and how much of that do you think is the fucking nature of it versus the you know jab straight hook you know the the, oh, the combos no, the, do you know no, that kind of way like is it all just yeah, no, it's pure like, rage yeah. or is it well, it is know, or it's never rage no, we're not I'm rage, never in rage when I'm doing it like but I'm like but I'm not it's not like say when we're down here and I'm working on a technique it's me doing rounds like it's me as if it's me as if I was in a fight like and I'm hitting that bag like but it's just releasing that you know that aggression because like I suppose it's part of being a man isn't it like really like that you've kind of like men generally tend to be more angrier than women I would find do you know and I'm sure that's obviously that's not the case in every situation like, look, but look men, at the prison population uh, that'll tell yeah, you yeah exactly that like you know but I, I feel I feel that you know men have you've got that in you like that little bit of anger that's in you and stuff like that and I feel when I go and I do something like that it definitely releases that kind of anger and as I said I'm definitely a better person and a happier person when I'm doing it like you know and I think if you know it's it's hard to put my finger on it I suppose like but it definitely it definitely works out a lot of the stresses and stuff like that and 
as I said to you, while you're hitting that bag, you are, it's helped me to think through things far easier. Or, you know, that might not necessarily be happening when I'm hitting the bag, but I think when I walk out of there, I'm far easier to kind of think things through and, you know, get things out of my system or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. it works both ways um, because somebody who doesn't, like, you're, you've are you a boxing background, mm. so you know what you're at. But I think most people who don't, they can get a savage amount of release from just going over and just wailing on the bag. Yeah. Like they don't know they have terrible posture. They don't know what they're doing. They're yeah. just they're just unleashing. They're just unloading on the bag. Yeah. There's that. But there's also what um, somebody who's, let's say, an avid guitar player, I'm sure they get a certain release by just practicing the craft that they're good at. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Running through those, um, running, th- lighting up those networks in their mind that control all these different things and they get into a bit of flow. So you'd, you'd probably have both. So yeah. you'd have the aggression part that yeah. any old Joe would have, but you also have that, you know, not craftsman, but yeah, it is a craft yeah. of sorts. Like, no, when you're saying around? it, it's ringing true. I know exactly. But as you, I, you, you were kind of saying it when you hit that flow. When I'm hitting that boxing bag, I'm not having to think of the combinations. Because you're oh, saying course. it earlier. Yeah, but saying, that's, is it, that exactly. it's not. You see, I don't be thinking of the combinations. Of it's just flowing through yes. me. And it's going through my body. Like, like a musician I mean? like, doesn't exactly go, I have that. to go A, yeah, yeah, C. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. just fucking playing. It's like. a place I feel comfortable in. Because yes. I don't have to think. It's like my job, like as a painter as well. Like I don't have to think about. That's why I enjoy my in my. I, that's why I enjoy working doing my painting because I'm at it now since I'm 16 years of age. Like I'm 37 now. Like so, I don't have to think too much about what I'm doing. So I, it is like I'm just in a flow, that kind of flow state that they talk about or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no, important. You know, you're right in what you're saying for sure. Without getting too deep too soon, and without kind of going off on too much of a, a tangent. <laughs> Uh, two of my favourite things. <laughs> um, I was thinking recently, and we just it, because we're talking martial arts, and, and it, it's all along the same vein. But I've been tying with this idea that your soul, whatever that is, needs to feel like it's protected. So I think that people who have martial arts backgrounds, whether it's jujitsu or boxing or kickboxing or MMA or whatever it is, I think this a certain part of their soul that kind of relaxes a little. It's not as, it's not m- maybe as afraid. Yeah. Now, the language doesn't, language tends to fail us whenever we start talking about, you know, spirit or soul yeah, or any, yeah. or anything like that. But, but that part of you that is supposed to, you know, in, in the Christian upbringing that most of us have had, the body goes into the ground and your soul, whatever yeah, the fuck that transcends. is, transcends. It's whatever that is, the thing that transcends or is supposed to transcend, that's what I'm what I'm I'm referring to. And I think it needs to know that it's protected. And like what you were saying there about men in particular. Now, broad sweeping generalization mm. alert to everything that we're saying here. It's not that women can't be angry yeah, or aggressive course. and it's not that there aren't men who are perfectly one hundred percent grey human beings who have no aggression whatsoever. But uh, the right <laughs> smile is catching me there. But it's funny, like, I think I think people who, I think men, let's say, I think there's a spectrum of manliness. It's, mm. it's something that I have been thinking about a lot. Yeah. And on one side, you've got the big fucking hard man. And on the opposite side, you have the, the, the big softy, say. Yeah. And I think that there's a spectrum the whole way through it. And I would argue that most people are probably in the middle. Yeah. And then you have extremes. So you have guys who are super hard and yeah. you have guys who are super soft. And I think it's the... It should be work on this soft guy to become a little bit fucking hardier, however yeah. he can do that. And the same then with the kind of more typical hard man. He needs to work on his yeah. on his soft side. I think the middle ground is probably oh, for sure. optimal. You want to be the warrior poet. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, perfectly put. That's perfectly what you want put. to be. You want to be the warrior poet because you want to be able to pre- protect yourself and your family, but you also want to have. You also want to be able to show the loving side to your kids and your partner. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You want to be. That's that's. I suppose I would marry it. You'd want to. That's how you'd want to be. Is to be the warrior poet. Oh no, but perfectly yeah. put. Yeah. Perfectly put. Um. So that was diet of the no. We no, did diet, which was mind and body. Yeah. That was exercise. exercise. What's the What's the third one? So the next one would be kind of breath work. So that would be ranging from either your meditation or you know something that's kind of moving across the world an awful lot. Now it's kind of the Wim Hof breath work, um, and then I would obviously like my preferred breath work. So I would have done meditation for a long time. In and out of it, but could never really stick to the practice. Could never really kind of stick to it or whatever. I, I could do it for, you know, a couple of months on and then I, you know, wouldn't really stick at it and then get back. And, but and sorry to cut across, yeah, just so you don't lose me and the, the people mm. listening. When you say you were meditating and mm. you were, it wasn't working out, like what were you doing per se? Because meditation, it kind of means different things to different people. Yeah, no, I wouldn't exactly say, I wouldn't. Because there's no kind of, I, it's not that it ever works out or doesn't work out. I could never, I could never stick to the practice. So you know, I'd have it for a few months. I'd be doing it, and then I kind of lose interest but, in it but, more. But, so, but, but, but what specifically are you doing? Like, are you sitting oh, cross-legged yeah. in the field, going on? Oh, no, or no, what? No. So I would but, be, but, you know, yeah, yeah. So I suppose it it would be sitting in the room. So you are just kind of sitting down, and it's all it's all about you know trying to go inwards as much as you can, and just to, to try and quieten the mind down as much as you can. And you'll never do that for too long like you you can quieten the mind down and, and then a couple of seconds later it's jumping on to the next topic so it's constantly kind of jumping on to the next topic or whatever but the idea you know with meditation is is that or what I what you know what I would interpret meditation as is that you're kind of sitting down and you're you're breathing so it's your deep breath in and your deep breath out and you're constantly trying to watch the mind so you're constantly trying to watch the mind so that, as, and as it, as the mind goes off on a tangent that it's not dragging you down a rabbit hole which is a hundred percent will do but I think as you practice meditation for longer and longer and longer you get less dragged down the rabbit holes like you know what I mean I think you you catch your mind quicker. So I think I think that is one of the main reasons I've enjoyed meditation is because, it, it, you know, because we all go through them things where, you know, you're getting pissed off over something or you're getting angry. Oh, geez, I should have said that to him or I say that. And before you know it, you're in a, you've worked yourself up to 90 and you're, you know, you're 10 minutes into talking nonsense in your head. But I think the idea with the meditation is, is that instead of it being a 10 minute rant, you can maybe, you can keep it through, you know, so it turns into a half minute rant and then you can kind of, kind of laugh it off which would be you know what you would normally drag it down yeah so that's it you're in awareness of it and I think the more you practice with meditation the the less them you know them the less time you're dragged down them kind of realms of madness they can go you can go into at times like you know so if you're if you're practicing with the meditation when you know when them thoughts arise instead of instead of you you know going into a big 10 minute rant to yourself you're catching it far quicker and you're able to kind of, you know, bring it back. You'll be able to centre yourself again far quicker, like, you know. And breathwork is a big part of that as well, I'm sure. So breathwork is, yeah. So there's a lot of people kind of turning to kind of the Wim Hof breathwork. And, you know, I think, you know, for people who haven't heard about Wim Hof, you should de- you definitely should look him up or whatever, like, because what he's finding is is the, the stuff he's kind of doing now is where, 
he's saying that you can heal your body through breath work. So it's kind of these deep kind of, you know, filling your lungs with air and then you're letting out and then you're holding your breath down. Like, you know, so you're doing maybe 40 of the inhales, exhales, inhales, exhales. And then on the 40th one, you kind of, you're holding your breath for as long as you can. And then you're breathing out and you're maybe doing that four times. But what what people are finding with them now is that they're bringing them to, to realms of the psychedelic, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's people who are inducing psychedelic experiences without having to take any of you know the plant medicines or LSD or whatever the chemicals that usually bring you there so you know people are working more and more with these breath works but like the stuff Wim Hof is doing is incredible he's broke something like 26 world records and he he went and is working with so he's working with kind of two modalities and you know they're one of the practices I would have talk will talk about as well so I suppose you might as well just talk about it now is their breath work and the other one is cold water therapy yeah cool so he's using the breath work and the cold water therapy together and he's using so what he's basically doing is he's he's using the breath work and then he's sitting into uh, like ice baths and things like that like and he's saying it's having massive healing effects to your mind and your body like you know so he he's he so he he does the breath work first and then it's into the cold baths like but he's sitting into ice cold baths and is able to rise the temperature of his body by 10 degrees sitting in ice baths that's incredible yeah it's incredible stuff like and he's like he's saying that through that different breath work that you're able to um cure many diseases in your body like he's so he's been brought around to some of the kind of uh, the leading kind of colleges in America like you know and institutes like the likes of Harvard and all of that like so they got him over and they're injecting diseases into into his body and he's literally healing his body through breath work through um these different techniques that he, like he doesn't say he invented any of these techniques like he there's a long story to him like his wife committed suicide I think when they were young they had three kids or something his wife committed suicide when uh, they were living in an apartment or something she kissed the two the three kids good night and went out and jumped out, out of a window of a high rise um, apartment block Fuck. and killed herself yeah and he he said that he went into um, so obviously you know went round and began to work with an awful lot of shamans and healers and kind of, you know, went all the different yogis and things like that and he learned a lot of these practices there but he says that he, he learned the breath work through there but went out then and worked in, in the ice himself and learned, he, he believes that, you know, he got given this kind of gift to bring to the world about the ice and that, like, you know, and he's saying that there's real healing in the ice and that but you can, like, I start so I started obviously doing the ice cold showers and stuff like that and, like, I, even in the depths of winter, like, I was getting into... So, when we're lucky enough, where our house is, there's an apartment on the side, and it's, like, it's not hooked up to our heating system on the main house, so it's not heated up to hot water. And so I was going in and having these ice-cold showers. I mean, ice-cold showers. And at first you think, like, if you put your hand into it, like, if anyone who hadn't been doing them put their hand in it, would say, no way would you stand in that, like, and I, st- I was doing five minutes in them by the end of it, like, you know, so you're doing your breath work and you're getting into that ice cold shower or whatever, but as he says, you make, you make the ice your friend, like, and I, I, at first I was like, fucking make this your friend, Jesus, this is not, <laughs> this is not easy, like, and then, but now, now I, I don't have hot showers really anymore, I might have one hot shower a week, like, and all my showers are ice cold now, and it just absolutely you're buzzing after them like it's it's opening something up inside you like it's it's nearly like you're wired nearly like to you know when you're coming out of it and it's 
he's using them then to kind of heal all different aspects of his body and things like that. You know, but like he he broke records swimming underneath the ice sheets in Antarctica. Like he he's not just getting into ice baths. Like he's getting into the water. No, in run, Ant- running in marathons yeah, in Antarctica in his jocks. Like. Yeah, climbing Mount Everest <laughs> in a pair of shorts. Yeah. So there's him rocking up, no shoes on, no nothing. So he's rocking up in a pair of shorts, like, and he's passing all these boys with fucking oxygen tanks and all that. Like, and he's <laughs> laughing his arse off at them, saying like, "We've overcomplicated everything. Your body." Like, how do you think, you know, our species live through ice ages and things like that? Like, our, your body is built to adapt. As you were saying earlier, your body will adapt to the surroundings that are around you. And the more the more you try, the more you use, like, that cold water therapy and stuff like that. Like, I can genuinely say that since I started doing them, so I started doing the... Uh, cold water therapies probably in October of last year so I done it at the start of one of the lockdowns was when I began to do it like and I've had no you know cold or flu like symptoms or anything like that or any sore throats or anything like that you know from then till now like you know and I, I would he would say did what the idea between the ice bath or the idea from the ice baths is that you're building up your immune system. So you're building up your immune system through all these kind of practices is what he's teaching, you know. Is it the physical equivalent of what we started out talking about in relation to voluntarily putting yourself in a stressful situation? Mm. Is cold just a synonym for a stressful situation? If, sorry, which? Is cold, is this whole cold therapy? Because I know, I don't think heat is his thing at all, but there are proponents of... Um, sauna oh, of using saunas yeah. in the same way that he mm. proposes you know embracing yeah. the cold people will say embrace the heat yeah. and I'm just wondering is it em- is it embracing difficulty as much as it oh, is big time em- embracing cold yeah. or heat you yeah I know no big time because I think I think the big part I've missed out on that is, is how he's kind of bringing this through the world right now is because he's using it as, he's, he's, he's promoting it as a cure for depression and anxiety I probably should have said that at the start I suppose but that that's what he's using it and the idea behind it being that as you get into them cold showers as you get into them cold showers and you can start lasting longer and longer and longer in the cold showers you're 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 building a confidence within yeah, yourself you're building like, resilience exactly, that, exactly, you, that you can see exactly and you set that timer and you last five minutes standing under an ice cold shower you know you get out there and you know as as good as the ice water's making your body feel and you've like well I done that I done five minutes of that and if I manage that I can probably manage six minutes tomorrow and again you know the next stressful situation that comes along organically in your life you've you've got some basis to deal with it like because oh well I got through that so I can get through this like you know so it's you know it's it's a constant kind of building yourself up as a person isn't it like you know to become mentally and physically stronger but I believe more mentally stronger is what you need to be like you know the physical aspects are, are one aspect of it is of it but it's your mental strength is what you really need to be working on like you know well we live in a, a world or a society or a culture or whatever way you want to frame it that is like how well you do in it is predicated on how well you navigate it with your mind more mm. so than your body do you know what I mean like, yeah. like the ability for you to lift two times your body weight like how, how much is that really going to benefit you in your life yeah like it, it might if you're a fucking power lifter or something yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. only one little dimension yeah. but if you can if you can if you can strengthen your mind you know everything becomes easier because everything that we do 
revolves around how we how we interact with it, and yeah. that's all predicated on what's happening upstairs. Oh, big time, yeah. And if you're if you're bouncing off the walls and you don't know which way is up, yeah. and you're stressed out your head all the time, yeah, how are you supposed to make sense of anything? Like? Oh no, definitely. But like you know, the shamans, you know, would all would say all there is is mind. Mind is the only thing that it truly exists. Like because the body you leave behind here when you leave here and you go to work go to wherever you're going like you know so it's you can you know I always kind of you know when you see them people who go to the gym like and they're coming out like and they're like that there like you're only really you're you're wasting your time in a way because you're not bringing that with you it's your mind you want to bring with you your mind you hope will leave here like you know it's, it's, it's funny though because on that there's there's another element of that there's a lot to be said for looking good in a t-shirt mm. for a man or a woman mm. Do you know kind of way? Oh, and, 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 but, be, but better than that, I suppose, is there's a lot to be said for feeling good in a t-shirt, regardless yeah. of how you look, and that's all in the yeah. mind. But the, as you said, I think at the start, the mind and body are inextricably oh, linked. Absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. So the, sure. the, there are people out there. There are lads with six packs, and they're fucking mm. jacked. And there's women with like fucking underwear uh, model bodies, and they might hate themselves they might think they're fat and that's no addition they're, they're phys- physically they're fucking flying it yeah, yeah. but mentally they're not But and the big question you'd have to ask yourself is what happens when the body eventually begins to break down which it obviously will 100% like if you've put all your eggs in the basket of look and go in front of the mirror what happens when you get to 70 years if, you, if you've put all your effort into working on the body and done none of the mind what's going to happen when the body starts to fall apart your mind is going to fall apart because you haven't really done the work on it to strengthen it. Yeah, no, without a doubt, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, again, just on, on the idea that the mind and body being inextricably linked, I believe one of the best known ways, and when I say known ways, I mean scientifically known ways to stave off degenerative neurological disorders is cardiovascular work and, and yeah. weightlifting. Right. Like, say, having a fit yeah. body is the number one way to reduce cognitive decline over time right yeah yeah well yeah. well, well established not disputed yeah, like yeah. you know but it's it's as you said too you know it's you know you feel better in yourself when you look good 100% like you know what I mean so it is it is a confidence thing as well like when you say you can look good in a t-shirt or whatever like that you're, you're definitely going to feel better in your mind if your body is looking healthy and fit 100% like there's no you, doubt to that you see your body to a degree at least it reflects your mind exactly yeah that's true so Absolutely. if you if, yeah. if you know if, if you yeah. if you like what's looking back at you yeah and, and they feed off each other as well because yeah. as I just said like you can look great and feel terrible yeah yeah but um, I know myself, like when I when I'm training, because it's everything compounds. Yeah. It, 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 it compounds up and up and up all the way to heaven, and it compounds all the way yeah. down and down to hell. And the more you work out, and the more you eat clean, the better your mind will feel. The better you look, the better you'll feel because of yeah, the better yeah, you look. You exactly, look better yeah. because you've a better mind, and it yeah. just it spirals you upwards. upwards but yeah. the opposite, then, if you're stuffing Absolutely. junk food into your face and all the rest of it, yeah. you're not going to look as good in the mirror. Yeah. You've got a bad mind, not a bad mind, but an unhealthy mind, for want of a better term. 
and you fucking auger yourself into the ground. Oh, no, for sure. And it's it's a hard loop to get yourself out of, isn't it? Like, you know, because, you know, one of the things that I found out over in Peru or that it, that it kind of showed me in Peru is that we all carry around these demons inside us. Like, and the only way to kill a demon is to starve it. So the more you give in to them demons by eating the sugary food and the chippers and the, you know, the McDonald's or, you know, the drinking the beer the whole time, the stronger and stronger that demon is getting inside you. So it's a harder and harder thing to turn yourself around to go back to getting fit and healthy and all of that. Like, and it's something I've noticed myself, like even, even when, you know, I would, with a lot of these practices, I would probably do them, you know, five or five or six weeks of real discipline, really strict or whatever. And I'd always allow myself kind of say, right, so I'll have a weekend then where I eat or do what I want, like, you know, but I'm finding what I was finding was though, it wasn't like I'd, I'd eat what I want or I'd, you know, do any of the things that I wanted to do or whatever. And it was just an easy thing then to go back off to master. I've only done it for a day or two, so it's grand. It's as if the fucking cunts are on steroids inside. It's like <laughs> you give them sugar and are absolutely, like the cravings are come back 10 times stronger than you've ever done. So I've, you know, even, you know, become less and less inclined now to even let them back in the door at all. Because once they get in the door or fucking on your back like you know they're screaming at you like so it's yeah it's 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 a hard one once you've given them up your best bet is to probably try and stay off them you know but it, it becomes you know I've began to look at it you know I've got myself into a very different frame of mind with all of these things like I never look up, I never look at it now as what I'm what I'm giving up or what I'm sacrificing I'm always looking at you know what I'm gaining from them and I think yes. that's I think if you can get your mindset into that I think all of these things become much much easier and again the more disciplined you become the more you begin to look at it like that that it's instead of looking for the negative aspects of it you're always looking for the positive aspects of it like and I can see like I can see when as I said like I would have done these for five or six weeks and would have given myself that couple of days like and I my mind would very quickly just you know f- you know not fall apart like but I I could see my mood change and I could see my fuse getting shot much shorter very quickly like you know so I you know I you know I don't want to sit here and kind of say oh I don't do any or don't not do any of these things like but I can only talk about how beneficial these things are because I've experienced doing them falling into lapses of not doing them and then doing them again and the absolute different in my mindset is it's like night and day really to be honest with you like to know oh i've seen that firsthand in in training yeah just in in whether it's going running or training in mma or, or whatever it is um running i suppose more so because that's something that i can do even with the restrictions you know that kind of way but i mean if i don't get out if i don't get out for two weeks like like if, if i don't go out for a week there's a good probability I won't get out for a month. Yeah. Do you know what kind of way? Yeah, and it's, yeah. This is something that well, I should definitely. be doing every other day. Yeah, but yeah. If, if it lasts a week, odds are it's going to last a fucking yeah. month. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, one thing you were mentioning there earlier about the, you know, that you have your, your cheat days and you, you eat something and all of a sudden you're back in that kind of, that mode that you that you were comfortable with before of shoveling the stuff into yeah. your face. Um. Sorry, I'm after losing my own train of thought. Apologies. Um, no, and it's gone like a fart in the wind. That's the, <laughs> must yeah. have been a lie. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a lie. It must have been a lie. Um, but sorry, I, I cut across you again. What was the next uh, thing on the list? Right, so we've done it. So I suppose the other big one is uh, prayer and gratitude. 
So when I talk about prayer now, I'm not I'm not sitting down, you know, reciting, you know, Catholic prayers and stuff like that. Like, but this I like the idea that I have in my mind and I've had for a while is why why would the universe give you more when you're not grateful for what you already have? So why would spend, you know, oh, I love like that. Yeah. that's good. Say that again, sorry. So why would the universe give you more when you're not already grateful for what you have? Like I would always start my day and finish my day with with with. Now I call them prayers, but they're just literally me thanking, you know, a God that I believe in. So my definition of God is probably different than most other people's. Like so, but I'm thanking the universe for the most important things that it's given me in this life. Like I always start with you know, thankful for, you know, Elaine and my kids, like, they're the first two things I start my day with, like, and everything else that goes with that, my friends, my family, my disciplines, you know, all of them things, the house that I've been so fortunate to be given, all of them different things, but I I start and finish my day with thank yous for all of them things, it usually, it takes me about five minutes or so to do it, like, to know, but it's just, and I think what it does is it it, it makes you appreciate what you have like do you know what I mean like if you're not focusing at some stage in your day on the things that you have and being grateful for them things they're going to become you're 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 going to become very blasé with it aren't you like do you know what I mean like you're just going to you're not going to appreciate things like like you should you know like I as I said every day the first thing I I'm I think to myself is how lucky I've met Elaine and how lucky we've being to have the two girls that we have like you know so that's how I start and I finish my day every day like you know and I and, think and what does that look like so I mean do, do you sit at the end of your bed and close oh, your eyes no it'd be but that's what I mean. lying in bed at the end or whatever like you know and you know one of the, one of the other um, you were asking me about the breathing techniques I do so when I'm driving to work so I, I live down kind of in Baileybor and Cavanagh but most of my work will be up kind of Navan direction so I have a kind of a like it's kind of like a little mantra and it's kind of like a little meditation that I do you know rather than sticking the music on or a podcast or or the radio or anything like that on like so I, I start my day because you're always trying to find time to fit these things in or whatever like and I always remember listening to Ram Das and he was saying if you're struggling to find time to meditate you know find a time in your day when you can do it and not be disturbed so I have 40 minutes where I'm in the van on my own and I'm driving down to work and I'm like doing my you know a deep breath in and then I'm I'm finishing that out like you know on my exhale or whatever so it's kind of like a little meditation I'm doing just driving on on my way up to work or whatever so I I do my meditation on the way down and then I'd have that few minutes where I'm just thanking the universe or God for the things that it's given me in this life like you know no no very very important incredibly important and then I suppose you know to finish the day off I could be just lying in bed or you know when I'd be finishing some of my practices so as I was saying like the the meditation I'm very fond of doing now is with a shamanic drum so I'm using I'm finding that the shamanic drum is about that's the other thing with meditation it's supposed to help you focus but I find by using the shamanic drum that I can focus. So you're, you're kind of like, it's just a, it's just a, it's a beat you're using. It's a rhythm. And it's just a rhythm. So it's just that kind of beat and it's just, and I'm finding that that's, I can tune into that rhythm and it'll, I can, I can hold the silence in my mind far longer, but I would finish my evening. So my evening would usually be, you know, I might have my exercise, yoga, my, the breath work with the drum, my cold shower. But when I'm finished with the breath work, uh, with the drum or whatever, would be usually that when I would kind of say my prayer of gratitude, like, you know. And your prayer of gratitude, is is it a mantra? Is it something you rhyme off? Do you yeah, start so and end it the same right, way? Always, the whole thing, it's always the same way. And it's just, as I said, it's just the things I'm thankful for and the things that I'm, you know, 
asking the universe to send towards me. Like, I'm always thankful for, you know, the work that I've been given, kind of different things like that. As I said, my house, you know, my family life, all of that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, as I said, it's a bit personal, so I don't want to say over the next five minutes rhyming it off you. Like, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I wouldn't. But uh, it's just, as I said, it's just the things that I'm grateful for and the things that I'm hoping the universe will send my direction, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, look, it sounds good, and it's yeah. funny, something that's kind of springing to mind collectively over the, the couple of practices that you've mentioned, like, what was the first one? So it was diet. So diet, then exercise, exercise then breath work. breath work. Cold water therapies. Cold water therapies. And this one is now prayer and gratitude. It's, it's prayer and gratitude, but those five things, like, on one hand, they're new agey, mm. and on the other hand, it's Eating and moving and yeah, thinking. Yeah. And it's old age. It's like, what we've yeah, always done. Yeah. But exactly, yeah. Like mm. I think a lot of these things, they, they get dragged up from the past. They get they get dragged up from the past and they get kind of commercialised and packaged yeah. and you have to sign up and it's six euro a month. Yeah. Do you know what kind of way? And that's all just nonsense. And it's all to be, to be fucking... Steer clear from as, as best as humanly oh, possible, absolutely. but that yeah, doesn't I'm mean. Because I'm going to charge people five euros for this <laughs> one. Now. I wasn't going to go six. <laughs> but but it's mad though because we've we 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 package everything these yeah. days and we put a fucking price tag on it. Here's a mindfulness. Here's a mindfulness app. Here's a this app. Here's that app. Or exactly. Yeah. And all yeah. The, the, and what what that does is it turns people off. Them yeah. And you're they're turning people off basis of existence yeah. and I think religion has done that on a spiritual level yeah. it's taken all these all the, the all the all the depth of the human experience and it's put a price tag on it yeah. do you know kind of way you, you have to give your arms at mass yeah. and you have to donate your land oh, at the time. end and yeah. you know it, it's 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 um it's just it's kind of bastardized the human yeah. experience. But this is there's no yeah. sign up fee here. There's no nothing. No, it's no, just these are, and look, I'm not here to prescribe this to anybody. I'm not a doctor or a psychologist. I'm just here to say these are the practices that work to keep my mind healthy. But I find you know the things with the apps and all of them kind of sign up things like they, what all of them are lacking is God. Like these dedications for me are dedications to God. Really, like you know what I mean? Like my belief in a God and in a spirit that resides outside of this material realm like you know what I mean like that's that's what you know makes me so comfortable doing these things and what keeps me you know keeps me doing them is is this is it's nearly like a dedication like you know it's it's my it's my you know way of thanking spirit for what it's given me in this life like you know when it's a hundred percent makes my mind far healthier like you know what I mean and there's I think you know when you're I think that's the big you know failing with you know the whole mindfulness movement and all of that like they're teaching meditation and they're teaching these practices but these practices are practices like yoga yoga is the original so when we think of yoga in the west like we kind of think of yoga as a structure of poses and things downward like that, dog like, and you know, etc that's what it is but what what yoga means is to unite to unite with the divine and yoga comes from the Indus Valley River Civilization. <laughs> Nailed <Right>? it. <laughs> I know, I was, only, I was practicing that in the mirror. <laughs> but where yoga originally comes from is that, but yoga is a collective, so it's all of them. It's the meditation, it's the it's the yoga practices. Like the, the practice of yoga 
is a whole thing to unite with God. But when you start talking about, you know, when you look at, you know, the mindfulness movement or you look at, you know, the downward dog movement, the, the yoga meditation within the West and all of that, like, they're, 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 they're not teaching the core principle of it. The core principle of it is is that you are supposed to unite with the divine. That's where these things come from. And that's why I think they're falling apart I think because we're not teaching them properly in the West like we're trying to because we're so you know we're 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 living in a society in the West that's so science based and science has told us that there's no God that's what science wants us to believe or science not not that it wants us to believe but that's the way science has gone that it seems to be that they're you know that it's no no this is just you come here you're gone and that's it done or whatever but that's why all them mindfulness and all them things that's why they don't I don't think they have a lasting impact on people because they're not they're not teaching the core principle and the core principle of that should be God or consciousness. And you know, I've said on previous podcasts here that my idea of God is not some, you know, guy up in the clouds with your white beard taking a list of all the shitty things you've done in your life. Like I'm talking about consciousness and these practices are all about expanding consciousness. That's what they're doing. They're bringing in a new form of consciousness, a consciousness that your mind and your consciousness will expand when you begin to focus on God and these practices. If you're too busy scrolling through your phone and eating the fucking shitty food and all of that kind of stuff, you're, you're, you're never going to start to look inwards and look inside yourself in the silence of your mind to find that core consciousness like you know like there's a lovely you know i love the quote like to know that your mind and your body is a temple but your mind and your body is a temple to bring the divine into and the more the more you you the more you the more you kind of purify that and have that as, as, as a clean or healthier thing the more you'll embody that and be able to find the divine quicker within yourself like you know well the the visualization that i'm getting here is that your body is let's say a synonym for a, for a temple and presumably you're born with god inside you so your temple has you know an ember or a candle and your job is to basically not fuel it but to give it an environment and whereby it could thrive which yeah, is essentially fueling or set, set fire on fire set the whole temple on fire inside yourself like absolutely and you know that's what that's what the term yoga is like that's what yoga the translation of it is is to unite with the divine and that's you know that's what all these practices are for like especially the practices from the east which you know uh, you know I feel we're losing here like you know we're losing in the west or whatever but uh, you know I've come to these through, so I would have came to these practices, I probably started them, but I found them much easier to do these practices through my work with psychedelics and plant medicines, because, you know, it's like, you know, Podge said it brilliantly on the last podcast you've done with him or whatever, and I'm trying to, I was trying to remember whether it was Ram Dass or a Terence Botanic McKenna quote and they're talking about how it's easier it's easier to have that climb up the mountain when you already know the incredible views that are up there but if you're just trying to climb a mountain and you're getting nowhere and all of that it becomes incredibly hard and you're more likely to give up and stop searching or stop climbing like you know but you know that's what I think the psychedelic affords you it affords you a look at the divine and then you use these practices to bring that and embody these things embody the lessons and teachings you get from the psychedelic work in these practices or with these practices because uh, you know a lot of people that i'm finding 
that I'm talking to now who've maybe had psychedelic experiences the, the, the thing they're saying to me is, is you know there's a two or a three week afterglow where you're 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 humming you're literally you're at humming one with the around. world you are at one with everything but all of a sudden then life gets on top of you again and all the old kind of the demons start coming back in and nibbling at the crappy food and all of them kind of things but these practices that you know that I'm talking about Again, I can only talk from my experiences. They help me to stay focused on the divine. That's what, what I feel with them. You know, they help that, and that's what keeps my mind healthy. It's also keeping my body healthy. And you know, as you were saying, it's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. It's you keep one and the other healthy together, and it it keeps fueling that within you. Like you don't lose the afterglow as quickly if you keep up these practices. There will keep you, you know. As as I said with the yoga, like in with the divine, like you know, commune, communing with the divine. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think one thing that gets bastardized with yoga practices is uh, these days there seems to be a slant on quieting quietening the mind, say to 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 kind of reconnect with source. For, you know, I know the words don't sound mm. great here, but. I, and again, this is very much a twenty twenty first century thing. There seems to be this added modern thing that you're supposed to dispense with the ego and get rid of the ego and only almost have soul. Yeah. And my inclination is that that's bollocks, basically, because you need you need an ego and you need a soul. You, you, sure. need, you need both. Like, How would you navigate through this world without your ego? Like, you, of course, without your the name, Fran McCone yeah. or whoever. Your your ego is your avatar for navigating around here. If you get rid of your ego, then you're dead. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you've got what? How do you navigate around the world? Like, to you know, you need to be Francis McCone. I need to be Ivan McQuillan to to now. And I, these are just my own thoughts. Like, these are my own beliefs. Like, I, you need to be Ivan McCone. Ivan McCone. Ivan McQuillan to play a role. You're playing a role here, but you need to be that person to to learn and to grow and to evolve your consciousness. Like, you need you need something to evolve your consciousness through. And that's the avatar that you're going around in right now, like, you know. Speaking of evolving your consciousness, mm. what do you make of this idea that we should always keep kind of changing and keep, develop? like, you can keep developing and keep pushing forward and keep evolving your consciousness. Yeah. But is the goal to get to a point whereby you're kind of happy with yourself or should you endlessly be trying to evolve your consciousness until death? Oh, what's, always, what's your yeah, what's your absolutely, take? Absolutely, yeah. No, constantly trying to evolve your consciousness, like because you know, as you know, the idea, you know, and again to go back to the east, like what they're what they're saying is is through these practices and through the evolution of your consciousness that you're trying to attain samadhi, which is where you become that absolute bliss. So on on departure from this world or whatever, or from this physical realm, that you enter into a blissful state. Like, do you know what I mean? But they're saying that you can you can experience them blissful states in the material realm. But they're, you know, through your meditation and all of that. Like, but when you're meditating and you're doing your yoga and you're fasting and all of that, like, you'll attain them blissful states, but you'll have to go back into the body, like, do you know what I mean? So it's it's a constant evolution of your consciousness. Like, you're constantly trying to evolve and make yourself a better person because the best gift that you can give to the world is to improve yourself. Because by improving yourself, you'll 
you inspire others around you to improve themselves too, like, you know, and that's the best gift you can give the world, like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because another thing I've been thinking about uh, recently is uh, patriotism. And I'm b- becoming increasingly convinced that in order to be a, a patriot, the best thing that you can do is just self-improvement. Yeah. Like, you really want to do, you, you know, you, you love Ireland, you love Irish people, you think Ireland's the best place in the world, yeah. and you, th- you consider yourself to be a patriot. Well, how have you improved over the last six months? Yeah. Because the more you improve yourself, the more, as you say, you improve your, your family and your extended yeah. family and your friends and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, oh, no, and, absolutely. It's a, you know, I love that quote with Gabor Mate as well. He's saying, like, the best gift you can give your kids is to work on yourself. Yes, like and I love that. Like and it's so, it's so true. Like it's because you know if you're being a shitty person, you're bringing that into the world. Like you know, I mean, it's no good giving out about all the things that are going on out in the world if you're not working on yourself to be the best person you can possibly be. And that again, that takes discipline. That takes incredible discipline and incredible resolve. Like and I don't think you can do that. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about this. Like you you can't you can't do that from a broken place. You can't help the world from a broken place. So you need to you need to fix yourself first and then you can shoulder some of the responsibility that it takes to go out and do real change and real good in the world because if you're bringing a broken self out into the world you're more than likely probably projecting you know your your broken ideologies out into the world and that's not going to be good you want to have a solid foundation to go out into the world with and you only do that by you know looking at yourself and you know getting rid of the aspects of yourself and you know the big thing Carl Jung talked about like was was you know working with your shadow side the idea is not that you know the, the idea is not to get rid of the bad aspects of yourself the idea is 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 to learn to love the bad aspects yeah, to of yourself absolutely because if you are if you you know keep repressing that side of yourself all you're doing is manifesting it in another way or it's going to manifest in an explosion out into the world and i think that's you know that's where you know the new age movement i think complete it could, well it completely loses me is that it it says you need to get rid of the darkness no you don't want to get rid of the darkness you need the darkness because it it is you you need to love every aspect of yourself like i suppose one of the one of the experiences i had recently enough on psychedelics was yeah it was an it was an incredibly dark experience i think i was i think i you know was messaging about it after it happened or whatever like you know but it was i would be very used to seeing what i would call realms of the divine 100 percent. like that's the own that's the best way i can articulate to you what i'm seeing or whatever like but this was like this was like the devil had infected heaven this was how demonic it was and it brought me down into the darkest thing I've ever could even imagine in my life and I stood before what I could only describe as a devil or a demon it was as lifelike as you are across from me right now and it ha- and it, what it was showing me was was that that devil lives inside myself and that devil I had to make peace with that devil because I had to learn to love the devil that and what what it was was you know I, one of the things I've struggled with in my life is definitely my anger I've definitely struggled with my anger, you know, and what I was trying to do was, was 
I was trying to get it under control by, you know, by acting like it wasn't existing. Like, and then I'd lose my cool and then I'd have, you know, feel like the worst cunt in the world afterwards. And how could I do that? Or how could I, you know, you know, behave that way? Or how could I break that? Or, you know what I mean? As you do when you're, you know, when you lose control. But it's only since that experience I've learned to understand that my anger is 100% a part of me. I do really good things in the world, but I also do things that, you know, people would look at and I myself would look at and not be proud of. And it's only when you can accept them parts of yourself that you can become whole. Because if you are busy denying them aspects of yourself, you are denying who you are. You're denying half of yourself. Do you know what I mean? And the idea of, you know, learning to love that part of yourself does not mean you let that run amok. But it means you accept it as a part of who you are and you then get it under control. But it's only through acceptance that you'll get it under control. It's not through, um, what's the word, like, you know, pro- like what's the word I'm looking for? So, like, prohibition by, by, by shoving it down and pretending it doesn't Repressing exist. It. Repressing, exactly. Mm. Because anything that's repressed springs back stronger and springs back as I was saying to you with you know with the food and all that like the more you're eating you know I give up the sugary stuff and then you eat it again and it comes back like it's on steroids actually like but the more you push down and not accept the negative aspects of yourself the more they manifest into the world in an explosion that you can't control but if you've accepted and owned them parts of yourself when it happens in your life, you're much quicker and much more better adapt to get it under control. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's you mentioned um, integrating mm. the shadow. Yeah, and there's something about integration in relation to your practices and the psychedelic experience. So the psychedelic experience will give you an experience, I suppose, mm. and. As you were saying, the people, some of the people you've spoken to, and it's a, it's a common—I don't know if "trope" is the right word—but it's it's a common thing you hear from people who have who've tried psychedelics. They have this wonderful experience, and then that stays with them for you know a week or a fortnight or whatever, yeah. and then it just kind of fades and it dissipates, and they're left wondering, okay, do I need to go do them again? Do yeah. I have to do this every two months or what? Yeah. But what you really need to do is you need to integrate that experience, and the way you integrate that experience is through. The practice, not these practices yeah, that yeah. you have, Find but certain, practices certainly practices. You. You yes, see, that's the thing. Like, and when you when you look at the psychedelic movement of the nineteen sixties, you know, an awful lot of the people that would have been involved in that psychedelic movement, especially kind of in American places like that, they would have left America and they would have went to the east and they would have, you know, they would have got involved in the likes of Hinduism and Buddhism and these kind of philosophies because it was all their philosophies about expanding consciousness. So where a lot of them people probably would have grew up in a, in a Catholic background or, you know, or in a Jewish background or whatever, them them side of it don't really have the mystical aspects of it that the likes of Hinduism has or whatever. So people were drawn over to that place as a way of, you know, beginning to understand the experiences that they were having. And what they were finding was, was that you can cultivate the, the experience of the psychedelic or the afterglow 
of the of the psychedelic experience. You can cultivate that through these practices because, as I said, yoga means to commune with the divine. And that's, to me, what the psychedelic is. You're communing with the divine. You're being opened up to the realms of divinity. And when you use these practices, you can keep that afterglow going and going and going. It's, it, you know, it's that old kind of saying with, with, with and I know the, I call psychedelics medicines and that, like, but, you know, what goes up must come down with any chemical you're taking, unless you're going to keep taking the chemical and you definitely don't want to be doing that on a regular basis. But with any drug you're going to take, what goes up must come down. So when you've come down off that psychedelic experience, the the experience you're having up there is so incredible that you want to bring that and embody that into your life. And what the people were finding was this is the way to do it, by bringing in these practices, by making yoga your practice, by making meditation your practices. By, you know, with Wim Hof now, it's by bringing the cold water therapies in. These are all ways of staying connected to the divine and embodying the lessons you're learning in there on the experience. Because if you come out and you don't use these practices afterwards it'll wear off 100% like it'll wear off like the psychedelic is not a, is not a magic pill that you take and it cures everything the real work starts after or should start after the psychedelic experience yeah, the, the psychedelic experience is a beginning not an oh, end so. absolutely that's exactly it like it should it should show you the top of the mountain as Porrick said in the last podcast it should show you the, the top of the mountain and then you need to aspire to, to get back up there of your own free will and of your own you know endeavors really you know and you've often you you've often heard you know people say and i I think you'd said it to me on the first pass first podcast we done where people say you know um be careful of things you didn't earn yes but you can have the experience and then earn it spend the rest of your life earning it the hard way as well but by doing it by by having the psychedelic experience first the practice becomes so much easier because you know what you're aiming towards then. It's like, you know, as you were saying, you're, you're taking aim at a, at, a, at a target that you know there's the target. That's what you're going towards. It's much easier because these practices, you know, without the psychedelic experience, after a year you could be like, well, like, I'm not gaining, I'm not gaining that much from them. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's where a lot of people kind of, you know, fail in their attempts to maybe have a prolonged practice of meditation and things like that because they don't know what the end goal is. Yeah. And once you know what the end goal is, you can you can become far more disciplined and far more, you know, intent on sticking them practices out, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I've actually, what might be a great analogy for this. So it's, imagine you could take, let's say you're thinking about getting into jiu-jitsu. Yeah. or boxing or fucking sword fighting it does pole vaulting it doesn't matter but imagine being able to let's stick with jiu-jitsu imagine being able to take a pill and for the next four hours you're a black belt yeah yeah, and yeah. you can fucking you know yeah. you can throw people around yeah. no one can come close to you the only person that has a hope of tapping you is another black belt wouldn't it be great to have that experience for a couple of hours you'd be all the more like, even if it was guaranteed only to last let's say four hours mm. and then you wake up in the morning and you know you you're as knowledgeable as you ever were before you took the, t- the pill, basically. Yeah. But you have some sort of a feeling of what it's like yeah. to be a black belt. Oh, and you can see how you'd, you know, earnestly head down and start your first training session. Do you know what I mean? Oh, how, sure. how that experience yeah. would sustain you over time. Sustain you. That's exactly the word you're saying there. Is It's, it's sustaining you. It's giving, the, giving you the drive and the fuel to keep making them improvements, to keep wanting to be, you know, as you're saying, better at, 
jiu-jitsu but what I feel with these is continuing to be a better person to oh be a better the life the best person you can be and the healthiest person you can be because so many of us so like you know it's the one thing you're hearing from so many people over this pandemic is that you know we're suffering with our mental health and all of that like but these practices have 100% helped me through that like the only time I've struggled I suppose over the last year or so was really January where I found a very tough month because you know I really indulged over the Christmas and stuff like that and January I felt absolutely hellish like you know what I mean and because when you when you begin to overindulge all these practices go out the window because you're like oh fuck it I'll do that tomorrow or come be arse meditating today so it nearly snowballs one into the other doesn't it but as soon as I got my practices under control again and was back exercising back doing all of them things you know my mind became a completely different landscape again like you know and a much healthier landscape like no, no, absolutely, and like your life is, your life is going to be a certain way, and there's so much of that that's out of your control. But whatever you, whatever is your lot in life, whatever you get, whatever, whatever whether that's where in the world you're born or what kind of education you were, you got, whatever parents you got, you're going to end up with a certain amount of something, and it's what you do with that. Like mm-hmm. you can look at that certain amount of something and say it's shit and have a terrible life, or you can look at it and say, Jesus, isn't it great that I have this little bit? Yeah. And your practices, I suppose, once you realize, once you realize that your practices sustain you, yeah. essentially, they just they, they keep you going over time. Yeah. Well, you know, the beauty I find with these practices is that I can see the difference. Like, the proof is in doing them and not doing them. I can see, and, you know, because I would be quite aware of where my mind goes, like, be true and 100% down to my meditation and yoga, because it helps you focus the mind and helps you focus on what's going on in your mind. So I'd be very aware of the fact of where my mind goes into a, into a negative place or a positive place, like, you know. So... Like when I stop doing these practices, I can I I watch my mind unravel and I watch it go into a darker and darker place. And the, the, when you go into them darker places, the darker the place you go to, the harder it is to get yourself back out. Yes, because you you know as you as you know yourself, like when you're in the darkness, the idea of the light is the last thing you want to hear about. So the further into that darkness you go, the harder it is to bring yourself out. But a small change with even one of them practices is the thing that can bring you out. Like, it's why, you know, so many people now are recommending exercise as a cure for depression and stuff like that. They're saying, you know, that is the thing. But if you've been in a depressed place, you know it's a very hard thing to get and go and do the exercise. You nearly need to be dragged out, don't you? Like, Well, I, I was perfectly aware mm. that exercise yeah, yeah. was the right thing for me to do when yeah. I was depressed and yeah. I was suicidal. Yeah. I knew that. Like. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I yeah. fucking knew it already. But it yeah. didn't, knowing it didn't do me a blind bit of fucking yeah. good. But maybe if I had... A one-minute cold shower. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you started your day with a one-minute cold shower and then you keep progressing from there, like, you know, it's a small... As you, I love how you always saying, you know, you have your incremental steps because it's all incremental steps, isn't it? Like, you know, when you're constantly building on one platform to the next, like, you know... Big time. One thing that I'm starting to kind of develop out of that idea of, of incremental steps is uh, that there are only two trajectories now, I'm not, I haven't I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of working with this idea so I'd be intrigued to see what your thoughts are but to me that there to me to a degree at least there are only two trajectories and a good one basically and a bad one and you can tiptoe your way to having a good life or you can tiptoe your way to having a bad life I don't know if that middle ground exists 
you know that kind of way I think yeah. it's if you if you if you stand still you fall back kind yeah. of do you know that kind no, of way and I agree it's, with you. Yeah. it's yeah. Far, like people focus and I'm to blame for this as much if not more mm-hmm. than anybody else like I would have I couldn't wait to finish primary school Jesus I hated yeah. primary school couldn't wait to finish secondary school yeah. Jesus I hated it hate couldn't school. wait to <laughs> go from white belt to blue belt couldn't wait to get the once I get once I get moved the business to a bigger premises once I yeah. get another customer once I can double my output once I can do this and you're constantly fucking reaching and I still do it now like oh once I get this studio finished yeah. and once I get the van sorted and once I get this and once I get that and at least I'm on a good trajectory there I'm still I still have to get out of the mentality of of trying to reach a destination and I still have to become more comfortable with enjoying the journey as opposed yeah. to wanting to get to the destination mm. all the time because what I I suppose what I'm struggling with or what I'm trying to get to is I don't want to be reaching, 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 and then be on my deathbed and go, oh, that last thing that I wanted to get is <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. just. Oh, on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to get there. Like, yeah. I, I like, I don't know. I, and the, 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 what I've been thinking about that, because most people are like that to a degree. I think everybody's like that. And it's, it, it was kind of what I was angling for when I asked you something similar earlier on about do you keep on progressing or do you stay the same? Because one thing that I've been thinking about lately is this idea that if you keep changing and you keep changing, you'll die young. And I don't mean that in a good yeah. way. No. Like you, oh, you know, you I don't, I don't mean that in a good right. way. So if you keep changing and changing and changing, you'll die young. And what I mean when I say when you die young is like you could be 80. I don't mean it in terms of an yeah. age. But let's say you reach it to 80 and you're about to die. If you've been changing all the time... um, like Let's say you change every week. Yeah. If you die at the end of that week, you're only going to be a week old. I like the idea of kind of going, do you know what? Let's say it happens to me when I'm 40. Do you know what? This is this is where I am. I'm at peace with myself. I like the traje- trajectory that I'm on and that my family is on and all the rest of it. And you, you keep kind of, not developing, but you keep... You, you sustain that. So you, yeah. you get yourself to a place and you sustain it. And let's say I get to that place when I'm 40. And I know I'm, I'm conscious that I'm reaching to 40, yeah. but just picking numbers <laughs> out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Let's say I get to 40 and I'm happy enough with everything and I have my practices and I do them every day and I'm just, I'm kind of at peace with myself and everything's great. And then I die at 70. Well, at least I'll, I'll die old. Do you know what kind of way mm. I'll die I'll be ready for death, yeah. if that makes sense. As opposed to, oh, I'm only after getting to this place and now I'm fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if how much that even makes sense. Yeah, no, I definitely, I understand what you're saying. I suppose, I suppose my thoughts on that would be is that, you know, we have this idea that we die when we die. But every day in life you die. Every time you fall asleep and you wake up, you're reborn. You're reborn into a new world and a new you. And there's a constant, you know, the one things, again, the psychedelics will show you and have shown me over the time. And, you, you know, you've often said to me as well, oh, I, I died 10 times in that experience. Like, we're constantly dying to the old part of ourselves and being reborn to a new part of ourselves. And I think, you know, you're kind of saying there, and I think it's something that you said you're right, like I think the majority of us suffer that we're always reaching, we're always reaching for the next thing. Like I'm the same at home, like it's kind of, I'll get this done and then I'll be happy and then it'll be, I'll get this done and I'll get that done. But I wonder, I wonder when you were saying that, what was springing into my mind was, was I wonder is that, you know, 
is that the evolution of consciousness? Is your consciousness always wanting to expand and evolve and grow? And if you focus your mind on that through these practices, through, you know, psychedelic use, through all of that stuff, like are you, your your progression and expanding consciousness. But if you're not doing these practices and you're not doing, you know, you know, an expansion of your consciousness, you're going to have to focus that on something else. So you, you focus on that on the things you're trying to attain, material things. Your you're trying work to, or whatever Exactly is, that, yeah. like. So instead of, you know, trying to attain the material things through that, like, oh, I need to get this done, I need to get that done, and when I get that done, I'll be happier or whatever, like... But if you can if you can switch that from a from a material aspect to a spiritual aspect, I think that's where you'll find the peace in your life. Like I think that's where you'll find, you know, harmony in your life. Because when you're not you're not striving for material gains, you're try you're striving for you know spiritual gains. I think that's where it'll bring a peace of mind for your life. Do you know what I mean? But for me, the idea of you know dying i think you're dying and reborn every single day every time you fall asleep you're reborn into the world every day and i think you get to you get to make a better version of yourself every day that's how i look at it like you know so the idea of death to me i don't think you just die at the end i think your whole life and i think if you look at nature around us and you look at all everything around us it's a constant cycle of death and rebirth death and rebirth and I think that's what your life is as well like I think your life is a constant cycle of dying and rebirth dying and rebirth like there's an old there's an old Indian um, practice that I love and I I done it myself to be honest with you when when I when I got my house down in Bailiorborough or whatever, and I'd done this before, we even signed on the dotted line or whatever, like, but I went down and I sat on the land. So I sat on the land, I brought nothing but a tent and a load, a load of water with me, and I sat on the land, and I literally ate nothing. So I'd done a fast, so it was a three-day fast that I'd done. And I, I uh, just sat in nature, because obviously my, we, we live out in the countryside or whatever. Like, so I sat in nature for the three days, just watching everything, just watching all the nature going around me or whatever. And at, at the end of every night, I lit a fire. And I lit a fire, and when I, when I lit fire, what i done was I wrote down on a piece of paper all the old aspects of myself that I wanted to say goodbye to, that I wanted to be done with, like, you know, the drinking and the partying and, the, you know, all of them kind of things, like, and... I literally burnt them in the fire every night and it's an old it's an old Indian ceremony and what they say is that you know it's it's a rite of passage and it's to say goodbye to them old aspects of yourself that you're done with they say that we us in the west we don't have them rituals anymore we don't have the rituals where we're you know we're saying goodbye and I think that's why so many people are haunted by their past or that's why they can't give up the party and they can't give up the whole thing because they, they haven't gone through them ritual aspects to say goodbye like the, like the birth of your kids should be that or do you know what I mean like that's a or even ritual. marriage yeah or marriage or they should be that but so many people struggle with them aspects and I think you're more and more seeing people struggling with them aspects and maybe that's the result because less people are getting married now and people are waiting to much older to have kids and all of that kind of stuff but you know that that um, Native American tradition is it's all about that it's all about you know setting fire to the old parts of yourself and bringing in and bringing into the new parts walking into that new and the way they would always do it is when they've got you know a major thing happening in their life like maybe they're they're you know they're getting their first place to live or they're getting married or you know they've kids on the way or you know any of them kind of things like it's I think in the west we've lost them kind of rituals but 
since I done that, I them parts have had no hold over me. I've no, no want to do any of them things. And I, I'm not just saying that's because of that that I done. Like obviously, you know, meeting Elaine and having my girls completely changed my life or whatever. But I definitely feel that ceremony helped me say goodbye to the aspects of myself that I didn't need in my life anymore. Like you know. Oh, absolutely. And if you look across culturally throughout time in any society, no matter who they are, they all have their rituals and they all have their practices and they yeah. all have um, rituals more yeah. so than anything, I suppose. Well, the rites of passage is how they, a lot of them look at it. Like, you know, it's a, it's a rite of passage. And it, that's what it is. It's the death of an older part of yourself and the beginning of the new part of yourself, a new awareness and a new expanded consciousness. Like, you know, but unfortunately, we seem to have lost a lot of them rituals, you know, along the way. And I wonder is that why we're, you know, why we're suffering so much with mental health, with, you know, drink and drug addictions and all of them things that are happening within the West, like, you know, no, well, predominantly within the West. I'm not saying they don't happen in these different cultures, like, but they're predominantly in the West, like, you know. Well, the rite of passage is a big one because in, in Ireland, I think we do have a rite of passage. But it's drinking the head of yourself mm, when you're a teenager. Absolutely. You're going on the sun holiday when you're finished secondary yes, school. Yes, yeah. and at least the the upside of the sun holiday one is it's, you know, a week or maybe two weeks. Yeah. And then it's over and then you've done it and you can move on. Yeah. But the trap that I would have got caught in was my rite of passage was drinking the head of myself. And uh, I did that for 10 years. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of way from oh, sure. 15 to 25. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I had a kind of a, a 10 year long rite of passage. Yeah. Which, by def- definition, isn't the right <laughs> no, of passage. Not at all. Like. It's doing the opposite of it. But that's yeah. the but that's the yeah, thing, and that you that's on to the old part of yourself. That, exactly, and yeah. even even now, like like I, I don't I'd say I don't drink that much. I, I drink I, I haven't drank anything in April, but uh, <laughs> but like five bottles of wine could disappear out of my house in a week, and yeah. that would be nothing out of the ordinary. Like, right. do you know, like in a way, yeah, so yeah. I'd be. It's funny because it's it's all about perspective. So if you had asked me two months ago, did I drink that much? I'm like, ah, you know, not that much, yeah. but. I've been thinking about it a lot of late and when I look back on it in this mindset I was like I was drinking the fucking head of myself <laughs> like you know yeah, and to, yeah. to to an American or to somebody who wouldn't have grown up with that kind of boozy culture like you're a fucking alcoholic if you're drinking yeah. five bottles of wine and that's not yeah. to mention the you know ten bottles and how many bonk yeah, yeah. and everything yeah, else yeah, you're yeah, not going yeah, yeah. Um but it was hard for me giving up that the piss head part of me Mm. And it's still alive in me, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And there's nothing I love more to a degree than once a year having a kind of a blowout thing. Yeah. But provided it's that blowout. And I, I I nearly always regret it in the week after it, but I wouldn't regret it looking back over it a month or two later. Yeah, provided yeah. it is just the, the one weekend. night yeah. or the weekend or whatever yeah, it is yeah. like. Yeah, I feel though, you know, since I done since I done that, you know, ceremonial aspect of it, like I don't feel that wanting like like my like my mom has a, you know, always talks about the time in my life where she would have called me Amy Winehouse like you know where I was out just partying non-stop like you know what I mean like she calls them the Amy days like you know but I bit like, of a strange for uh-huh. Amy Winehouse well Amy Winehouse well Amy Winehouse just because sure, Amy Winehouse was on the rip like so she was a full-blown alcoholic and drug yeah, yeah. but she would have been doing all of that and in the papers the whole time when I was out partying and yes, ripping up yes. like and my mother would always just call them oh the Amy Winehouse days like you know but like I would have always I love being out partying there was nothing more I loved doing from the age I was you know I suppose 16 till I was you know 25, 26 or whatever like but from the time I've done that that ceremony and that thing there's none of that want at all if you if you offered to pay for me 
for a full weekend over in Vegas, all drink, everything included, it wouldn't interest me. Like, there's no, that want is not in me at all anymore. Like, there's, it's long gone. Like, like, even if you paid me money to do it, I'd find it hard to go and do it. Like, you know, and I certainly wouldn't enjoy it. Any nights I've been out where, you know, it's revolving around, like, drinking drugs and stuff like that. Like, I don't enjoy them. Like, it's not, it's not who I am anymore. Like, it's, I think when I said goodbye to that old part of myself, like, that door got closed. There's no reopening that, like, you know. Do you miss that part of yourself at all? Not, is there, not in no, the no, no, no. Is there not, is there not, not a little part of you no. love the Ivor who's loads of crack version of yourself? Not that you're not loads of crack oh, yeah, sober. Oh, yeah, thanks Most Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like an handphone Bobby on Friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I absolutely do not miss that at all. Not at all. I don't in any way miss it at all. Yeah, it wouldn't be, as I said, I'd have no want for it anymore. But, like, I would go to weddings and things like that now and stay sober or whatever. And, like, I don't have grey crack till about two o'clock, like, and then everybody starts enough, getting enough, messes. Like, yeah. And then I'm just like, you know, or I'd have a little smoke maybe and go to a wedding or something like that. Like, I would, that would be, if I was going to do something, I would enjoy that. Like, I enjoy maybe going down listening to music and having a little smoke or whatever, like, you know what I mean? But the idea of going drinking and partying like I used to not if you, not if you gave me a million quid would I do it now like not a hope it wouldn't have it just wouldn't be in me anymore I've no interest in it like you know it's funny though because one thing I've noticed about people is they they'll kind of take it or leave it for the most part or they mightn't you know they might have drank in years or whatever but it's because of a lack of opportunity as opposed to the fact that they've kind of outgrown it. Yeah. You you seem to have outgrown it, but most yeah. people just don't have the opportunity to do it. I, I had a few drinks, me or so. I seen to Elaine there before Christmas or whatever, so, geez, we haven't had drinks in ages. So, so I'll have, we'll have a few drinks on uh, Christmas, like, you know. So Christmas Day, we're up in Mam's at the feed and all that or whatever, like, and should we start drinking bottles? And I'd say about seven bottles into it, I start getting a fucking hangover, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, it's just like you used, used to obviously get drunk and enjoy being, you know, out in the rip with everybody. Yeah, yeah. And then the hangover was grand. Seven bottles into it, I was getting a hangover. Like, right? you know what you can do with this drink? Fuck right off. <laughs> yeah, no, I would not. No, I wouldn't. It just doesn't have any interest for me at all anymore. You know, it'd be a real chore for me to have to go and go drinking like it wouldn't just wouldn't enjoy it like you know yeah yeah mm. what got us talking about drinking I think was um, not practices but um, or not even rituals there was a specific ritual the kind of boy to man what's that called again the boy to man oh, ritual right of passage right of passage that's yeah. what we were talking about um, <coughs> so that was I suppose one of my or my main rite of passage was like a, a 10 year boozing experience which as we said by definition couldn't have been a rite of passage because it was you know a quarter of my life practically yeah <laughs> but um fighting for me at least and making me debut that was a there was a big element of that as a rite of passage mm, for me exactly. i suppose that the actual the actual fight itself was the rite of passage yeah. the build up to it was part of it but the the rite of passage proper was you know the door being locked behind you oh, kind definitely. of thing um, and I'm just curious as to because you've boxed, I boxed, yeah. I'm and I'm just afraid. curious as to whether or not you feel that at all. Was there? Do you? Did you feel like there was? 
did you feel I don't know like like, like it was a rite of passage like you became a man when you made your debut or, or no, how did that work with you like? yeah now in fairness I wouldn't have what happened was was when I was over in Australia so I kind of started doing a little bit of boxing down here in Navin and it was more just to keep fit and stuff like that and it was more of a fitness boxing class to be honest with you boxer size oh, boxer size exactly yeah, yeah. what it was and then I went over to Australia and I ended up joining a boxing club over there so I was training with them for about two years or whatever and I'd had so what I'd had rather than fights was I'd done about 12 competition spars okay. so they were more or less kind of unofficial fights like they were people would have came from other gyms or other boxing clubs and you would have come up and you would have had your fight but it wouldn't have been anything official with it like there was no way in or there was none of that kind of stuff yeah, like, yeah. you know and a kind of the last couple of months before I left Australia there was talk of I think it happened two or three times where there was dates set for fights and stuff like that and you had to go then they changed the rules and you'd go and get blood tests and you'd go and get all of that which kept kind of pushing it back and pushing it back and the two fights that were being talked about ended up so I'd done my uh, six week training camp for them and both of them kind of fell apart then because all of a sudden they were changing the rules so that night got put off and then yeah so that happened kind of twice so I never I never actually fought but what I would have done is as I said I would have had them unofficial fights like there were, there were twelve different competition spars where people came from different clubs, and I would have fought them in our club, but they wouldn't have really, you know, they didn't go down officially. There was no way ins there was no kind of thing like that. Like you know, yeah. But your your first one before you did the first one, you'd never done it before. Oh, 100 percent. You know what I mean? But the, like, so it's, yeah. it's 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 the first one. Like I, my yeah. my second fight say meant nothing to me in comparison to yeah, the first yeah. one because once I had done the first one. I had done something I hadn't done before, oh, so I could time. I could have fought a thousand times yeah. more, and it wouldn't. None of yeah. them would have had the impact that the first one would have had. Yeah. And there's something about that, the not knowing, or there's something about that uh, sense of achievement, I suppose. And it's like you know, back in the days eh, when you were left in the middle of a forest when you were ten, yeah. and you know, best of luck with your pal. Hopefully, you make it home. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's that sense of achievement. You've made yeah. it home. You've passed the test. You are a man now, and you can kind of you can start being a man but in Ireland at least these days or in any country that doesn't have that rite of passage there's no black and white line I mean yeah. you could call marriage like once you get married yeah. you're a proper man maybe but as you said earlier these days people are getting married less and less or they're, they're pushing it out and less and less the, yeah very much so the, mari- yeah. the marriages are lasting longer or la- lasting shorter than the fucking honeymoons for some people at this yeah. stage aren't they like but no I 100% agree like I would absolutely encourage my kids to get involved in a martial art 100% like I think if, to have a martial art is very important and for someone like myself like when I was younger like I would have been I suppose really I would probably call myself quite cowardly like I wouldn't have liked fighting I would have been and it was never I was never ever afraid of getting hurt or losing a fight it was always afraid of losing in front of people yeah yeah the social anxiety yeah yeah never cared about losing never cared if I got shite kicked out of me because I would have a high enough pain tolerance so none of that would have ever been in my mind but it was always the losing in front of people that would have you know really made me afraid to be in a fight or whatever when I was a kid so for me to go and even have them competition spars where I like I I would have sparred against the Australian champion like that was the level of some of the spars I would have had like so well, comp- competitive got, sparring uh, is a synonym for fighting oh it is well it is that's what <laughs> it know. is like it is a fight like that's 100% like as I said they were come he was trying to win I was trying to win like, yeah. there's no fucking, <laughs> do you know what I mean in between like but for me to get to there from where I'd come from because uh, as I said I never would have had that confidence but 
through the martial art, I learned an incredible amount about myself. Like I learned that I was much tougher than I thought I was. I, I, I learned to, and it massively improved my mind as much as anything. It made my mind stronger and more confident to do the things that I'm doing now in my life, like 100%. Like it, it's given me the confidence to even talk about these experiences that I've had, like the experiences that I've had in Peru or the experiences I've had with psychedelics or to be able to talk about God to people because you know sometimes if you're to bring that conversation up like you can have a mixed reaction like you know what I mean well you've no hope of discussing what we're discussing amongst you know not regular people but just the general population you've no hope of getting anywhere if you're kind of if you're easily embarrassed oh for sure because people will just turn around and go God soul spirit yoga the fuck you two boys talking about but we have a certain confidence whether it's through martial arts or boxing it's all through martial arts well boxing is a martial art oh without doubt at the end of the day like you know and it's what's given me the confidence to be able to speak so openly about things because the thing about it was was I faced my biggest fear My, my biggest fear was getting up and doing something in front of people like that and I faced that because, like, when I would have had competition spars, everybody from both clubs would have been there watching the spars happening. So I was getting in and having a fight in front of, there could have been, you know, 20 or 30 people watching these things. Like, And if you had asked me that five years ago, I would have just laughed, not in a <laughs> million years, like. But it's it's the it's what we were talking about at the fucking get-go. It's the... Um Putting your, it's voluntarily putting yourself under stress. Under stress, exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's as again, it, like I can't talk about how much the boxing has helped me and changed my way of thinking. Like, do you know what I mean? And changed my way of thinking mostly about myself. Like, you know, so that's that's the greatest gift that it's given to me. Like, but it's funny though because you, you say it, it's changed the way you view things and mostly the way you view yourself or, or something to that effect. But I mean, the, the way you view yourself is how you view everything else. Mm. I mean, we we view the world through the lens of our life. Yeah. And if we think we have a shitty life, well, then you're looking through a shitty lens and yeah. the world is just going to look shit and, and vice versa. You know, if, you, if you're happy, if you're, if you're at peace with yourself, if you're kind of happy enough with who and what you are, you've, a, you've at least got a clear lens. Yeah. Do you know what kind of way? Oh, it might be pointing in the right direction. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what no, kind of way? But at least, yeah. at least you can actually yeah. see through the fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. For sure. And, you know, to go back to, you know, what Carl Jung is talking about with the shadow side and stuff, like he talks about how the best way if you're somebody who deals with anger and stuff like that is is that you need to, you need to practice that in a world but the best way to practice that is under the safe environment of going and joining a martial art or something like that where you can get that out of yourself without you know it being your wife you're doing it on or it be it being your kids that you're doing it on or a stranger that you're doing it on like you know go out and you know get that anger out of yourself through a, a controlled a controlled anger or a controlled kind of you know expression of that kind of thing you know no, absolutely. Like, especially, I was going to say, especially in MMA, but even in boxing, like, when you're up against the ropes and let's say you're sparring heavily and you're you're just covering up, basically, mm. um, 
granted, if the guy you're sparring with knows anything about the fucking sport, he's going to pull back like and let you kind of get your bearings yeah. or whatever else. But there's something to being put in that kind of position because, again, we said it earlier, like you have this idea in your head, oh, if I got backed into the ropes, I'd just, yeah. I'd do this. <laughs> yeah, and it can be yeah. a great expose yeah. on yourself. And it's not fucking easy. Like, yeah. you know, you you have it in your head this, you know, oh, you take this guy or you take that guy or, or that guy that was giving you shit when you were getting changed. I'm going to fucking tap him out. Yeah. And then he gets you in a rear naked choke and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is the last prick that I want to tap out to. But, yeah, you know, do I don't want to go unconscious. Yeah. So you have to tap yeah. out to him and it's, uh, I don't know, there's just this, a really steep learning curve and it's the exact same in boxing. Yeah. As you said, any martial art really. Jo- like. Ro- Rogan talks about it brilliantly, you know, and I quote Rogan a lot because, you know, I, I credit him with, you know, he's definitely a massive influence in my life. Listening to his podcast, yeah, I mean, most brother. of the people I know, like, sure, I couldn't tell you the amount of conversations I start with. I've fucking seen this on a Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> or I heard that. Like, but, you know, he talks about how you should fill your life full of things that you're not good at and progressively get better because as you get better at each one again it's about building your confidence and building your character like do you know what I mean like so for me that's what it was like going down to the boxing club and you know like when I the boxing club I was in was quite a small boxing club so the six or seven boxers that would have been around my weight class they were all like maybe had 30 fights 40 fights like so that's who I started sparring against I started sparring against like you know absolute like guys that were winning Australian titles and things like that like and like they were fucking beating the absolute piss out of me like but in a controlled environment like where if as you said if it was getting too much they obviously knew to stop like you know Mm. what I mean like but the absolute brotherhood I had with them lads by the time I left there two years after that like we were as close like there's something about joining a martial arts club or you know it's some club that's involved in you fighting or whatever where there's a real unity amongst everybody that's in it like you know what I mean like you if it's a good place I'd imagine I'm sure there's places where there's not that but I wouldn't imagine they're the places you want to go to like but the lads you're you're training with like I would have been preparing all them lads sparring them getting them ready for fights and all of that like and the the bonds you build with them people like it's it's very rare you find that anywhere else in the world like that kind of a bond yeah, the, you know o- the I mean? only like the only other place that I consider that I could consider anywhere remotely the same would be in being in the army like yeah, going to war it, or something yeah, exactly, like second to that or yeah. maybe working in a fucking I don't know a, an ER room or yeah, something yeah. you know it has to be yeah. intense it has to be oh, definitely li- life yeah. not life or death but, but I know there, what you mean yeah, there has to be an element right, of that absolutely as in you know it, and I think it, it, it plays to the tribal aspect in us like doesn't it like you know it, it plays to that kind of you know we want to be part of a community and a tribe and we want to feel like we're doing as much for our tribe as it's doing for us like and I think that's where you'll you'll you know you'll feel best in your world I think this is what the pandemic you know has been hardest for so many people who've had work taken away from them and all of that like you feel like you're not contributing to society like you know what I mean like you're being told you know stay indoors but only some of us are being told to stay indoors like you know there's a big proportion of people who are able to go out working and still do what they're doing or whatever and I think the people who are left sitting at home are struggling massively with that because they don't feel like they're contributing to society in any way either, like, you know. Yeah, and it, there's a doubling up of pain there as well because they don't, they, they've been robbed of that opportunity to, to, to give to the, their community, mm. say. So you have that on one hand. But on the other hand, they're taking government money, as I am. Yeah. They're taking government money yeah. so that they can fucking survive. Yeah. And... 
like I don't want to be fucking taking money off anybody. Oh, like, right, do you know that kind of yeah. way? So, so I'm being robbed of what I can do, yeah. and I have to take a fucking handout. Yeah, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm fucking taking yeah, it like fuck. Absolutely. Why but is but only because that? I have to. Yeah. What, like, what's what's, 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 what's the alternative? Like? Yeah. Go door to door selling fucking Michael Greens. Your kids, like that's the thing. But you're not supposed to leave your house. Yeah, yeah. Ringing them up here. I'll post you a few Michael Greens. But yeah, no, it's the idea, like that you because you know you want to provide for your your partner and your kids like that you know well I can only speak from my perspective but the day I realised I was having kids like that became my ultimate focus like my kids are my everything yeah you're you're now a provider yeah absolutely and my wants and needs go out the window really a lot of the time now I don't mean everything does like but you know the majority of the time I would put them before anything I need like you know what I mean and when that's then taken from you and you can't do that and you feel like somebody else is doing that for you, that's not a nice place to be in. That, you know, can definitely affect your mental health and your, your self-worth, like, you know. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And on the, just to treble up on the on the pain, you've lost your sense of community. Yeah. So if you've been like we were before the restrictions or whatever, yeah. we were training down here and it was fucking great and different people in different clubs whether it's the GAA or your tennis court or your yeah. badminton team or whatever the fuck it is just that sense of community now you mightn't have it like you you have a brotherhood in, in the army or the or yeah. room or the boxing club or the MMA gym or whatever it is it mightn't be quite that extreme but you might need something quite that extreme yeah, like yeah. We, we love the whole martial arts brotherhood element of things because we're that way inclined yeah. but I'm sure there's a, a chess camaraderie and oh, a book club camaraderie absolutely. and a Science stamp fiction. collecting yeah, whatever whatever it is it. and speaking of all that another one is conspiracy theories like yeah. that's a that's a community of people yeah. they get a lot of fucking stick and they probably should to a degree <laughs> but a lot of them if not most of them not fucking all of them they're they're conspiracy theorists because that's their community that's yeah. that's all that they've been left with they've, they've been looking it's around it's bubble isn't it pretty much yeah. yeah it's unfortunately it's just a bit of a shitty bubble yeah. and there's loads of shitty bubbles as well like the the, the constant going to the pub I know you can't do yeah. it now but that's a shitty bubble yeah, you know yeah. reaching for the, the bottle of Jemmy every yeah. fucking evening or the, whatever it is yeah, whatever, no, pick your sure. poison like. yeah no definitely yeah absolutely like and you know to be honest with you community is one of the you know one of the practices and you know I know it's not technically a practice but it's one of the things I've written down like you need that community in your life like I you know when I say to you like I love going to the gym in the morning and I love hitting that boxing bag but when I was doing that, so I'd been doing that probably for goldfish memory here again, like, but I'd been doing it for a while anyway. Before you'd been kind of saying, then I heard you and kind of Dave saying that you were kind of doing a bit of rolling down here. And I was saying, Jeez, I'd fucking, I'd love to be doing that because I was, while I was doing that down in the gym or down in the, in the gym or whatever, I always felt like there was something missing, but I could never put my finger on what was actually missing. And the first day I walked in here and walked out that night, I realised exactly what was missing. It was doing it with you guys, with, yeah, with the, people. the camaraderie, exactly that. Like, so it was that community that was missing. Like, it, like I love hitting the bag in the gym on my own in the mornings, but as I said, I always felt like there was something missing. But the minute I walked in here, I was like, what I was missing was the brotherhood from Australia, that, the, my mates that I had in that boxing club. And when I walked in here within the first, you know, couple of minutes, I was like. 
this is what I was fucking missing was the banter, the bit of crack, you know, the bit of laughing and joking that goes with it, like while you're learning something at the same time, like and again watching yourself improving something, and you know you're so right in what you're saying with you know uh, jiu-jitsu like you the difference between you as your first night in jiu-jitsu and your you know your fourth week in jiu-jitsu is couldn't be any further like there's <laughs> best like, thing there's about it all but there's nothing there's nothing like with boxing there's no way that the the improvements and adjustments happen that quickly like nowhere near that quickly so to see it happen like that in jiu-jitsu is it's 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 what made it so nearly addictive like you're seeing how quickly you progress that like and it definitely you can see why it's addictive for people like to know but it's it's doing it with that with other people that's the thing and that as you said that camaraderie that community like you know oh, absolutely um, one thing that I've been meaning to ask you if I haven't asked you before is like I get that you, you came down here and you started training and you were loving the training and that was doubled up by the um, the camaraderie of having yeah. the lads and having the crack and the bit of banter and all the rest of it um, but I'm curious as to how you're teaching affected not affected you but how how yeah well I suppose how it affected you because you would have a a teaching role down here and just for the benefit of the people watching behind the set there's 50 odd square <laughs> meters of mats that we do do martial arts on yeah so when Ivor came down you would have you had a bo- boxing background you didn't know what jiu-jitsu was practically no. you might have seen it or something like I that knew, so, I knew what it was I'd done yeah. a little bit of it in England to the extent where I'd maybe gone four or five nights, but these were lads like what I love. That's about, a class environment. It's very different oh, no, but to even, what we like, do. You right? came down and you were showing us from the very beginning. You were showing us the basics. These were like lads who'd been doing jiu-jitsu for ten years and just didn't teach me anything. Like they were just, I was just rolling with these guys. I was like, what? I didn't even know what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it was of no benefit whatsoever. Like you know. But you came down, and because you're. A, purist as as they call it you know you, you before you started doing the martial arts say separate from boxing you were a you were you just did boxing yeah and the thing about mma is as you well know but just for the benefit of people listening so i'm a i'm a mixed martial artist which means that i'm not a great boxer i'm not a great kickboxer i'm not fantastic at jiu-jitsu i'm not great at muay thai but i am proficient in all of them yeah so your boxing would be way way better than mine so you had a you had a teaching role, even though you were coming in as a as a mixed martial artist, absolute beginner, because you had a boxing background. You essentially walked in the door as the boxing coach, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just curious as to how that added or subtracted to the the whole experience of being of of coming down, like because you had something to offer. You weren't just walking in. It definitely made me less nervous to come in. I would say, yeah, because you're because, settled. Exactly, yeah, because I knew I knew there was always going to be a boxing element to it. And that was where I would, you know, knew where I'd be confident enough to say, well, look, I would know a few things about boxing. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I might know anything about uh, all those other things, but I'd know a bit about this thing. I'd hold my own there. And when you're coming into into a place where, you know, it's violence, isn't it? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Like, is that the word I'm looking for? It's, you know... It is like I suppose any. It's like you're fighting, like, and at least, at least you're going in there knowing. Oh, well, at least I can do some fighting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Compared yeah. to if I was walking in with nothing at all. Like the first time I walked into the boxing club, like I was fucking absolutely shitting myself. Like, but walking in here, I wasn't because I knew I had a background in boxing, and that when it came to the box, boxing aspect of it, you know, I'd be able to show that I could at least fight. Like, you know. Yeah. So, in in hindsight, I think or I'll let you answer, but in hindsight. 
do you think if you had come down with no experience whatsoever in anything, granted you would have been a lot more nervous, but you, you would have done all right, wouldn't you? Do you know kind of way? Like, or would you have? Do you think you would have come down on the first day and went, "Oh fuck, maybe not"? Or would you have not come down at all? Do you think? Oh no, I don't know. I like had I have had no boxing background. Yeah, and we were still hanging out the way we've been hanging out, or kind of you know, well, yeah, if, if in a friendship. Are, I know I definitely would have stuck around. No, I definitely would have stuck around. Like, but I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to maybe ask as many questions as I would ask now with Jaron. Yes. I wouldn't have had his confidence to you know. I probably would have been like that's what I say. Like when I before I started boxing, I would have been incredibly shy, like incredibly you know quiet and early kind of thought. The less I'd say, the better kind of thing. Like you know, we're now. Boxing gave me a real confidence to find my voice, like, do you know what I mean? As much as, you know, I found a strength inside myself, it gave me it gave me my voice and it made me afraid to not try new things, like, you know, that was the thing that boxing taught me. So I pro- if if the boxing hadn't have happened, I'd have never have learned any of them and probably would have ended up learning them things down here. Yes. But being a bit older and all of that kind of stuff, I suppose it probably would have taken a bit longer and I definitely wouldn't have been as comfortable coming in the door as I was like, I suppose, yeah. yeah. It's funny because the, the reason that I ask, I know I, I kind of knew at the outset that I was kind of asking you an impossible question. I was, I was trying to ask you, I was trying to ask you to answer a question from a position of somebody who didn't know anything but you do know something so it's yeah. kind of it was hard for you to kind of answer but I suppose the reason that I, I found myself asking was months and months ago before all these lockdowns whatever else when I was kind of encouraging people to come down and give it a go a knee-jerk reaction people would give would be like oh god no I'm not fucking going down there fucking use animals I don't want to get bet up or look stupid and from my point of view like, that couldn't be further from what we're trying to do down here like, oh, no, do you know, like, but I'm just curious as to because you came down new yeah. you, you weren't new new yeah. I suppose I'd have well, to ask I one of the lads the way I could the, the way I could answer that is, is if you know some I've seen other people who've come down here new right? yes, so yes people okay. who've come down yeah. here new and I've seen you deal with them brilliantly and bring them in the way they should be brought into a boxing or a martial arts club. They're brought in and they're given one-on-one training first, which is the very best way to do it because it's Only just, way. Just, the last the last thing you want to do is throw lads in, you know, like I won't say which one. I've been in a few boxing clubs in my life and one of the ones I would have went to, they would have thrown you in sparring without even teaching you how to defend yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like so that's where people get hurt and that's where, you know, people get intimidated or they would have had people, you know, training for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they were in sparring rings with no headgear, with no no fucking weight classes, no nothing. Like, so they were, I remember getting thrown in with a guy fucking ripped a bit, steroids, everything, the whole lot. Like, I was only a tiny little scrawny thing and I was thrown in against him, like, and, you know, I think the, you're doing the very opposite of that. You're doing it the very right way. You're bringing people in. You're making them feel comfortable, and you're, you know, you're let, giving them that chance to come for two or three nights to see. Oh well, I'm not going to go up there and make an eagle of myself. And you know, looking around at everybody in the club, there's everyone at different levels. It's not like you know, you're obviously very accomplished at what you're doing, and then there's a range from there to the very beginner walking in the door. So as a beginner walking in the door, you're going, oh, well, not everybody, you know, can tie me up in a near rake of choke and not everybody can knock me out with a left hook or a kick to the head like that. There's people here that are of the same level as I am. And I think that helps people massively. Like, I think, you know, you're definitely doing it the right way, 100%. Like, by 
giving people the the time at the beginning just on a one-on-one thing because that's where their confidence will build like you know and I think so and I, I've been through a couple of different MMA clubs myself and I've noticed similar stuff like mm. I mean just to compare two again without naming names but one club that, uh, that I can name Kokoro was in it for six years um, when we were there you had to be training at a minimum twice a week for three months that was the absolute minimum requirement you had to be there Every twice a week, every week for three months before you were allowed spar. Right, fucking blanket rule. If you were caught broke breaking that rule, yeah, two guys would be in trouble. The guy sparring you'd be in trouble, and you'd be in trouble. Right. Um. So that was in Kokoro, and that's proper order as far as I'm concerned. But then I've been in other clubs whereby you could walk in the door, and three months later he'd have you in a cage in front of a crowd. Right. So that that would, I suppose, give people an idea of the yeah. the difference in club that's yeah. out there. So getting getting a good club is is everything, yeah. really. Like, yeah, no, for sure. And you know, even you know, with my coach over in Australia, he he went the opposite way. So what he would like to do, I think, that one of the big reasons that I didn't actually have an official fight over there was, so there's obviously seasons over there in Australia. I'm sure it's maybe the same here or whatever. Like, but he would have sorry held boxing me. seasons. Yeah, so no. there would have been a six or eight months, six months say where all the boxing took place, and that would have been at the local level, and then the winners of all that would have went on to fight at the national level and things. No like way, that. I like, never so knew you that. You would have had it like that over in Australia. Yeah. So there so, was like a yearly circuit, nearly. a yearly kind of a circuit, right? Thing or whatever, like. So what my coach, and I didn't know this till the end, was fond of doing was, so I would have been up there training for the first year and being, you know, I felt and other coaches felt that I was ready to start fighting like, you know, but he had a habit of holding people back for an extra year. So did an extra year to make his club look good, right? So he, he done that obviously on the first year that I was there, but I was doing competition spars within that year. So the guy that went, the guy that would have won the local, like so the WA title, I came up and I fought him in a competition spar. Right. And anybody that was there said I won that spar easily. And he went on to win the WA title. Motherfucker! In that year, right? But look, it is what it is. It's I'm still it's going to stick in your hole a little. <laughs> <laughs> and I met him. I met him at a boxing tournament afterwards. And he says, he says, I fucking thought you'd gone home or whatever. And I was there. No, he says, he says, to be honest with you, of all the people I fought the whole way through, he says that was the toughest bar was when I when I sparred you down in the gym that time, like you know. So it was what it was. But I suppose it is. It is a disappointment. And it's, it might not have been so disappointing if I had gone on to then had other fights and, you know, maybe won that title or whatever, like, you know, but the fact that he won that title and I wasn't even, my coach wouldn't even put me in because he wanted to develop me for another year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I suppose what, you know, what we're saying is is it's about f- finding the club that's a right fit for you and do your research on your club beforehand, like if you can ask around about it and stuff like that. But I think anybody that walks in the door in here is going to, within the first training session or two, feel completely at ease and see that there's a bit of crack, that nobody's down here trying to hurt anybody. Everybody, what I love about the club down here is everybody's here to learn. Everybody's down here as a student, including yourself. Oh, very because much so. Because you're always saying, like, look, you know, I know these things, but I need to look this back up to remember, to remind myself, and then I can teach you. Or, I, you know, one of us might ask you about something and say, I've done that, but I want to double-check it because I don't want to tell you the wrong fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you've learned it the wrong way from the beginning. So that's what I love about down here is that everybody's like a student, really. Like, you know, that's oh, the ve- beauty of it. Very much. 
much so. I wasn't until mm. I started coaching a couple yourself and a couple of the other guys down here. Like in the first three months that we were down here, I probably learned more than I did in the last four years of me training. Right, yeah. Do you yeah. know kind of way? Because yeah, you're yeah. just... Like, you know, I I know how to apply and get out of Camorra, uh, say. Yeah. But you'd be on the ground with Podge, say, and you'd, be, you'd have him in side control and you'd be looking to finish the Camorra and you go, sorry, Fran, I'm just, I'm at a loss as to what to do here. And I'm looking at you going, fuck. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I, I yeah, exactly. I would have a fucking clue. But, yeah, yeah. I, and you've experienced this firsthand. I go, yeah. right, jump up there, Ivor. Yeah. And I jump into your position. And it's, I suppose, the, the analogy that most people will get is when somebody asks you for the pin of your bank card. Yeah. You might you mightn't have it to hand, yeah. but if you had a fucking keypad in front of you, yeah, if you're standing yeah. at an ATM machine, you just you go, bip, 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 you, but you need that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm kind of So yeah. when people start kind of quizzing you on what you do know, and not even quizzing you, but the, you guys were just you weren't trying to catch me no, out. You're just you're trying just to learn yourselves. Learn. Like, exactly, yeah. But that was a great opportunity for me to to yeah, learn. And as I said, fresh. I learned more in the first couple of months than I did in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, practice did we finish up on? Right, so I suppose well we've kind of done yoga. Like, well, I suppose well we'd gone through prayer gratitude. I suppose yoga would be the next thing, but we've kind of touched on quite a bit of that. Like, I suppose you know my idea and practice of yoga is more, you know, as I you know as I was saying earlier, how it's differentiated in the east and the west. Like, but when I put yoga down there, I mean about the stretches. Like, it's unbelievable when you begin to do the stretches. Like the 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 yoga I like doing is the Bikram yoga. Like I love doing the hot yoga, that's in the hot yoga or whatever. Like and now the nearest place to here that I found to do it is Blanchardstown, so it's kind of too far to do it for me. Like I started doing the Bikram yoga over in Australia, and why I started doing it was was because again when I was in the boxing club, it was six days of you know seriously intense training. Like you know what I mean? And my body come the Sunday would have been you know quite stiff and sore and all of that. And I remember hearing Manuel Marquez, who's a Mexican boxer, talking about how he took up yoga and it prolonged his boxing career. So he kind of started looking around and then I found kind of the Bikram yoga. Here, obviously heard Rogan on about the Bikram yoga and stuff like that. And I went in there and I just, from the first time I walked in there, I just fell in love with it. Like it's an absolute, you know, complete stretch out of your body. But while you're doing that, you're trying to focus your mind because the best way to hold the poses is is to focus your mind on, you know, one point and try and silence the mind as as much as you can because as soon as the mind starts thinking outside of it, you're all over the place and you're falling. Yeah, all it's over kind the of place. don't look down when you're uh, climbing. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, so when you're in there, like it's a, it's an incredible way to like stretch out the body, but to also get great focus in your mind, like and focusing on that one point and not letting your your thoughts run away with yourself. Like, and I I found out, you know. I suppose from Christmas time for about four months I was kind of neglecting my yoga so I was and I found out the hard way because I, I was telling it fucked up my back about two weeks ago lifting uh, our little girl Lucy out of the car or whatever like you know but I completely put that down to not practicing my yoga so and it was the thing that got me out of it like so as soon as I could I started doing you know the stretches and all that stretching out again like and it's more or less healed my back completely like it, it still feels a little bit sore the odd time I wouldn't I wouldn't go boxing on it now but it's getting to that point, like I've gone running and stuff like that on it. But the yoga, the yoga for me is absolutely incredible. Like it's just how good your body feels from stretching it out. And, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, when you go to do these, how stiff, you, like how stiff you are, like how, you know, to go and even touch your toes from a standing position and all of that and how quickly 
you can start to build that kind of up like in you know a matter a matter of weeks or whatever like you can but you can feel the difference in your body and even in you know you feel stronger and you feel looser and you feel much more thing like I, I know there's a lot of the uh the jiu-jitsu coaches and stuff like that like i think the gracies were massive proponents of yoga weren't they like for oh, flexibility huge, and all huge. of that like yeah and breath work again mm, in yeah. in kind of hand in hand with that yeah. because you have to control your breathing yeah. Like you have to control your in, thoughts yeah. in order to to maintain yeah. the, the positions because I'd imagine I'd imagine maybe boredom's not the right word but if you're in, if you're trying to hold a particular dif- difficult position if you can't kind of clear your mind and yeah. relax and focus on your breath and you're just there going oh when will this end oh this yeah, is sort yeah. da, 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 da. you yeah. know you. you You'll keel over at a fucking board yeah. and be like, "Oh, could be." But you'll pull out of the pose without. But, that, but that's what I mean. Getting you'll... the full extension. But I think I think the key to it, and you you, you touched on it perfectly there, is that the 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 real idea with any of the breath work things is if your mind is ever in a place where it's all at sea and it's all you know, there's negative stuff happening and it's going. To, if you center yourself with your breath. All that disappears, and that's what the that's what the yoga is teaching. Exactly, just saying, if you're in a pose where you're stretching out, even say your hamstrings and are absolutely killing you, and you're in your head going, "Oh my god, that's so sore," as soon as you twig and you go to your breath, all of a sudden the soreness more. It's not that it's gone, but you're taking your attention you realize, away. From yeah, it. you realize it's nowhere near as sore as your mind, your thinking mind is trying to tell you, and you're kind of watching it going, "So that's nowhere near as sore as after being building that up to," and you 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 move more freely into the stretches and you'll be able to stretch out so much more so it's all you know any time that you're really struggling with something in your head if you can if you can concentrate on your breath or go to your breath it will you know it'll get rid of that negativity or it'll kind of it'll centre you enough to kind of you know not be letting it affect you as much like you know the breath is in nearly all them practices I've said you know whether it's the cold showers or whether it's the yoga or whether it's you know the meditation or the Wim Hof breathing it's all about your breath every one of them are about breath and your breath centres your attention it centres your mind from going at it you know in all sorts of directions and stuff like that and that's where you'll find calmness and then enough to realise that oh this isn't as bad as I thought it was and I think the same can be said for something that's happened yet you know out in life like if you you think you're in a shitty situation if you can just centre yourself enough by going to your breath you'll realise oh well you know this isn't the end of the world whatever's happening I can deal with it like you know so going to your breath helps you deal with you know a lot of the stresses in your life if you can if you can do that well i think a lot of the way that you one way say to control a stressful environment is to, is to concentrate on your breath and you have that in in jiu-jitsu and you probably have it in boxing as well like i mean if you're if you're getting i i, I might i won't use boxing actually because i'm not overly familiar with boxing but in jiu-jitsu certainly when you're being when somebody's trying to choke you or somebody's trying to fucking hyperextend your arm or your shoulder or whatever it is and you need to you need to remain calm mm. first and foremost. And the way to remain calm yeah. is to not be going. And there's a, there's self control in if you can control your breathing, you can control your mood. Yeah. If you're let's say having a an anxiety attack or a panic attack, say, and you're hyperventilating, like, no amount of anything will help you more than getting your breathing under control because your your breathing kind of. Your your breathing is 
it sets the tone. Yeah. Do you know what kind of way? So if, yeah. if you're hyperventilating, your brain is going to be fucking firing. Like, you know, yeah. oh, okay, we got to run or we got to fight or yeah, we got to do yeah. something. But if you can fucking relax yourself, your mind will relax. If you yeah. can relax, relax your body by relaxing your your breathing, say. Yeah, no, 100%. No, I definitely agree with that. It's also the other thing, like, that. it's the one thing that you don't stop doing. Like, it's your fucking heartbeat, practically. Because like, there's, there's times when you're not going to be in a community. Like, when I'm down here, when yeah. we are working, or when the place does open up, I'm going to be down here for 40 hours a week and the rest on me tobler, like. And that's going to be hard because there's going to be no sense of community. So you're going to be torn from that and you're going to be torn from half a dozen of the different practices. But the one thing that's always kind of ever-present is is the breath, is, is breathing, essentially. It's the breath that brings you into the present because your mind is always going to the past and the future. But if you can centre your breath and centre yourself, you're in the present. So it gives yes. you presence. That's yes. exactly it. Like, And that's where it stops the you know the mind from going all over the place. Like, you know, So the breath brings you into the present by yes. making you present. The other thing then about the yoga poses in particular, just bringing it back there, mm. is... Trying to stay in that position, like it, it's difficult. It like yoga is hard. Oh, definitely. Oh, big time. But it, the reason I mention that is just to outline that that's and it that's a that's a stress that you're voluntarily bringing on yeah. yourself. So the more yoga poses you can hold, the more times you don't lose your cool when somebody's trying to choke you or tap you yeah. in whatever way. The more of those experiences that you can have, the more resilient you are in your in your life generally. Like. Like it's not as though you do all these things and then when a traumatic experience comes, you open up your folder with all the things you've learned. <laughs> yeah, you start doing yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly that. Yeah, that is the idea of them practices, and it's, you know, it's as I said from the start. Like it's the more you can bring artificial stress into your life, the more you'll be able to deal with real stress when it comes knocking on the door. Like yeah, but vo- voluntarily being the key yeah. word though. Yeah, yeah. That you choose yeah. to. It's nearly apply. like a practice. It's like. It's like you're practicing for them stressful times coming, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's giving you a safe, exactly like sparring in, you know, any of the martial arts. Like, you're you're in a safe environment to practice your techniques. And if I do this, this move gets me out of this. If I do this, this move gets me out of this. When you're in the real fight, you've practiced how to get out of this situation. Do you know what I mean? So you're not, so while the experience of the fight is far more intense... And no sparring can ever really, you know, compare to being in a real fight. At least you know what works and doesn't work in the situations you're in. Oh, yeah, you, you have options. Yeah. yeah. And w- once you have options, you yeah. know, kind of way you're oh, safe no, enough once you have options. Yeah, it's yeah. when you don't know what to do or where to go yeah. or what to fucking do. Oh, you're do. all and, at sea. And that's, that's in life generally. Mm. Like, you know, your, your boss says something to you or something happens on the news and... You, you're like fuck. You don't know what to do or what to think or what to say because you've no you've no choices. You've never been in this p- position before. Yeah. Um. Is uh, in the list of ten practices, where did voluntarily seeking out stressful situations? Where that's not there specifically. Is it is it a bit in the mall or is it there specifically? Is it at the start? Is it? I suppose it's a bit in the mall because it's definitely like it's definitely in your exercise. It's definitely in your in your cold water. You know, it's definitely in the yoga. It's definitely in what else would it be? Like your diet. Like again, your diet, as in when you're you know when you're not 
in overindulging in all the shitty foods and stuff like that. Like you're building your strand of character by you know by by building your discipline by being yeah, disciplined by, by leaving the pack of the biscuits yeah, exactly or whatever that. it is. Like you're you're building your discipline in in them situations. Like it's all about building your discipline as much as it is about you know bringing in stressful environments or whatever. Like you know, but it's definitely you know it's in quite a few of them. All right, like you know. It's funny, I'm just thinking it's it's not obviously in community. I'm not saying that it's not in community. Mm. But I wonder is it... Like there's, there's, <laughs> there's certain people, I won't mention them, but there's certain people that I find hard to be around. And it's not because they're bad people. I, it's just I don't know if it's a clash or they're, they're a certain way and they just... it it They never seem to be unable to rub me up the wrong way. <laughs> and I appreciate that that's as much on me as it yeah, is those. Yeah. So I wonder, is that the stressor in, in community? Should should there be a certain part of your life devoted to kind of, I don't know, trying to get on with people you don't get on with to a degree? Yeah. I don't I don't know now. I don't know. It's not, I don't know if I've ever, well, I've never really thought about it, I suppose. Like, but, you know, with people, you know, that I would find hard to get on with like I would just call it a clash of energy because there's a certain type of person I would find it hard to get on with and I think everybody finds it hard to get on with and I would look at it as in it's an energy they're embodying do you know what I mean they're incredibly intense when they're talking to you like they're they're right and you're completely wrong and they're happy to tell you how right they are and you know it doesn't take too long for them to start shouting their ideas at you and especially if you've disagreed with one of their ideas like it's to me it's just a certain embodiment of a certain energy and I suppose the way I would kind of try to look at them people is is that I would believe in the world there's young souls and old souls and I believe that the people who come in with that kind of energy would be very young souls. They're not really, they haven't really had enough lifetimes to really build up a wisdom and an understanding of the way the world works or how to, you know, best navigate the world, I suppose. When you say lifetimes, do you mean lifetimes in this life? Or are you talking about like see, previous I would lives? Believe in, I would believe in reincarnation. I would believe you come here a number of times to learn and to grow and to evolve your consciousness. So I believe that there's young souls and there's old souls. And the younger souls are on the beginning of their journey to do that. And that's why they're embodying that type of energy is how I would feel about it. Like, you know. Okay. But, I suppose, so it's one thing that, just to, to pull back in what we were talking about earlier and that idea of the rite of passage... I think if you live your life without ever going through any kind of a rite of passage, there's probably less. Like if, if you if you have, let's say you've lived a hundred times, so you're. Did you say an old man or a young man or souls or a young spirit or an old spirit? Is that the way old you old souls and old young souls and young souls. souls? So let's say you've had a hundred previous lives, that makes you an old soul. But that you could have a hundred previous lives and in none of those lives did you ever have a rite of passage, you'd still be a young soul. Oh, definitely, yeah. Or maybe a bitter yeah, young, yeah, or an absolutely. old, bitter well, soul. you be a young soul. You'd be, you, you would have maybe not evolved. That's the thing, like, you know, you wouldn't have evolved and expanded your consciousness as much, like, you know. A pushback, that, not that I'm mm. making one, but just to, to be devil's advocate yeah. and flesh it out a little mm. bit, is people might say that... It's all well and good for you to say, because the caste system 
and you know broad sweeping generalization and bro science alert because I'm not uh, au fait with the caste system in India at all but my understanding of it is that you're let's say if you're born into royalty that's mm. just brilliant you're born into royalty you you deserve that because you've lived a hundred lives and you've gotten yourself yeah. to a certain standing in society yeah. and if you're a peasant oh well you know you did poorly in previous lives or you haven't lived as many lives that's very self-serving oh well the caste system is an abomination like you know what I mean like if but is there not an element of the caste system here so you let's say you're looking at two guys one guy mm-hmm. has his life together and you would consider him to be an old soul one's a bit of a fucking fuck up and yeah. you consider him to be a young soul and you're putting that down to previous lives you know I wouldn't say I wouldn't call that person a fuck up it wouldn't be that it would be a fuck up it's just that they wouldn't be as evolved they haven't had the life experiences yet to bring them to where the older soul has been so it's all to me it's all just a learning curve it's all just you know you're here to learn to grow and evolve and they just haven't got to that stage of evolution yet like when I say that I find it a hard energy to be around or whatever you know I do find it a hard energy to be around but I wouldn't look down on them for it or anything like that you know it'd be more just a in my mind I would kind of identify them as maybe a young soul who still has a lot to learn like you know yeah and just appreciate them for what they are basically yeah absolutely and you know you know be there for them like I wouldn't be dismissive of that person or I wouldn't you know in any way kind of feel any way superior to that person at all that's not what I mean by it at all I just mean to me that's how I view the world. I view the world as we're all here to learn and to grow and we're all at different stages. I was that person before. Yes. I was that person. I was that soul at one stage or that's the level my soul was at at one stage. So I certainly wouldn't be, you know, quick to judge it like, you know what I mean? It, but that doesn't mean it won't irritate me or I don't find it hard to be around. But I just, w- I certainly wouldn't judge them in a poor light like, you know. And I wonder is that, and something that we've touched on before, is that what annoys us about other people the most is what we see in ourselves. So mm. we see a, um, an old mode of being. I'll often see, it's not usually what I don't like about myself now, but there's something that I'll have gotten over in my past. Let's say I was, I don't know, quick to fly off the handle. And I'm not as much now. But when I see someone quickly fly off the handle, it bugs me because it kind of reminds me, not of myself now, to be honest, in that respect, but it reminds me of that older part of me oh definitely I'd say that absolutely because with the person that's quick to fly off their handle is probably being very disrespectful to people or do you know what I mean is not in control of their emotions and can be quite volatile and you probably are looking at the older aspects of yourself with a bit of cringe going jeez I used to be like that like you know yeah yeah of course yeah, so it, you know it probably is that like yeah fascinating stuff man <laughs> what we went through the 10 Two hours twenty. We got the ten out of the way anyway. Right. Well, we. I suppose there's. Well, the community. One more was of sobriety. Oh so fuck! Sobriety, we have one through them. Apologies. So sobriety was the tenth one. Sobriety was the tenth. Sobriety. One. Yeah. Okay. I'm finding you know from quite a few people that I'm talking to over the you know the lengths of these lockdowns and stuff like that. Like that the one you know people who are talking to me about how they're really suffering with their mental health and all of that like the you know the common factor with a lot of people seems to be that they're either drinking way too much or they're smoking way too much weed or they're taking too many drugs and stuff like that and I feel I feel to really have you know a clear mind you have to be sober and this is as much as it's coming from talking from other people it's coming from my experiences as well because I would be as I said to you like I like smoking weed like but I can smoke weed one night 
and I have no issues with it at all. If I smoke weed two, three, four nights in a row, my fuse will go from being very long to incredibly short in a very short space of time. Like, And people I know who are, you know, the common team I would see with, you know, a lot of people who smoke weed, for instance, just to use one drug, is that their fuse is incredibly short. It does not take much for them to lose their rag, like, you know... With weed smokers, absolutely. With it, I could with the people I know who are smoke weed every day. Now I'm not obviously not saying everybody, and I wouldn't blame the weed for this. Like because all I think we all I think drugs are is an amplifier of your state of mind. It's not the weed that's making you aggressive or that's making you angry. It's the fact that all drugs are an amplifier of the state of mind that you're already feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like so, when people get paranoid on on coke, like. You're, it's not the coke that's making you paranoid. The coke is just amplifying the paranoia that's already within you. Like you know, so I'm not, you know, I'm not here to demonize weed because I smoke weed myself. Like you know, or you know, any other drugs that I've taken over the years. What I learned was was that they are amplifiers of my mood. So it's not the drug that's causing me to be a certain way. It's just amplifying the way I already am. Like you know, yeah, yeah, and the same with alcohol. Like, like alcohol is a, is another one that seems people seem to be really struggling with over this pandemic or whatever and what I the reason I talk about sobriety in this situation is because if you're not sober if you're drinking heavily like if you're drinking you know six or eight cans every evening or or stuff like that the rest of your practices are out the window because you're 100% your diet is not going to be good the next day because you're reaching for the shitty food to try and comfort eat around how you're feeling from the thing you're definitely not meditating you're lucky if you might go for a quick run but you're definitely not exercising so the idea of being sober is is because without being sober the rest of these practices fall out the fucking window like you know so sobriety does that ru- I know it doesn't rule out drug taking, but I mean, I suppose is sobriety in this instance a synonym for not always doing drugs? Yeah, I suppose so. Like, yeah, the the less you can do them, the better. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, the less you can, like, as I said, I, I'm not sitting here saying I've been sober for the last two years. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as I said, I smoke and I do all of them things. Like, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is how I found again this list of 10 things has been all about how I've cultivated a healthy mind and for me personally being sober is a massive aspect to cultivating a healthy mind like when I'm when I'm not sober like if I was drinking or if I was smoking a lot I definitely am not in a good place mentally at all because one they affect me in that way and two they affect all the rest of the practices as in they go out the window they stop happening like which spirals you down you know yes that's that's why i would add sobriety in there and think it's quite important you know it's funny because like i i agree with you Mm. but i'll add i'll try and add maybe something to it that like i think there's an importance in taking drugs mm. I, I I think people as a general rule should take drugs from time to time yeah. I think people should kind of play around with their consciousness yeah. um, now I think I think people who've gotten their shit together yeah. like that's probably a better way of phrasing I think people who've gotten their shit together and if their job is secure and they're emotionally secure and they've got a good relationship with their wife or their husband or their kids or whatever else and you know when everything is going well I think it's it's important to kind of I don't know Mess with your mess with your own consciousness to yeah. to a certain degree and, and play around with these substances. Yeah. Um. 
and I'd, I'd 100% agree with what you're saying there it's you know and it kind of ties in with what I was saying is that the when you're using drugs the best way to take them is when you're in the best frame of mind the worst time to take them is when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're already talking about having depression and stuff like that and it's only going to fuel that depression even further. Yeah, when it's when it's escapism you're exactly. after, that's a fucking exactly. that's a red flag. Yeah. Like, no, like time. and I you know, as I said, I alter my consciousness quite a lot with different drugs. Like so I, I I'm not sitting here saying that I'm sober, you know, as I've said for the last five years and have never done anything like that. I would agree with you that you need that little blowout every so often and it's good to have whatever your drug would be. But when it becomes an everyday thing, when you're already feeling depressed and full of anxiety and dealing with stress in your life, to me, it's only going to bring negativity into your life. Like, yeah. you know, and when it becomes a an everyday habit rather than a once every couple of weeks or once every couple of months kind of things, yeah. then, as I said, for me personally, again, I can only speak from my experience all my practices go out the window if it becomes longer than a day or two every so often. If it becomes a, it becomes much more, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not daily use, but you know, more, cons- you know, habitual. Habitual. If it becomes that, all them practices go out the window, and my mind spirals out of control again. You know. Okay, I'm curious now. Um and f- feel free to throw out, I don't know, but... um I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> would you extend that that methodology or ideology or whatever you want to call it, that, that conceptualization of yours in relation to sobriety, would you extend that to antidepressants, SSRIs and the like? No, no. I think, you know, I think... I, it wouldn't be something I'd be, you know, overly familiar with. Like, I would know some of it, but I suppose the person I would go to for something like that would be Jordan Peterson again. And I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about antidepressants and things like that. And, you know, him talk about the absolute benefits of them. And, you know, he's, he's you know, probably one of the leading psychologists in the world, I guess, isn't he? Like, and, you know, you know, tinkers along these kind of matters. And he absolutely says if you need antidepressants, you know, definitely go and get them, like, go and get the help for them. Like, but I suppose the question I would have with antidepressants is, is are, and again, it's as, it's as you said earlier, when you're in that darkness, the idea of going exercising is fucking near on impossible. So, you know, my, my initial thought that I would think of is, is maybe antidepressants should be the next step if these practices don't work but if you're already in that darkness and that darkness is swallowing you alive the T- idea take whatever of, get, help take you can whatever get whatever help yeah. you can get that might help you to get back to a place where you can bring in these practices and then move on forth and maybe eventually give up the antidepressants yeah. but you know I'm very aware of the fact that in that kind of darkness you know, the idea of me ringing somebody up and saying, all you need to be doing there now, mate, is a bit more yoga. Like, you know, <laughs> a bit of breath work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How don't much breathing have, have you done recently? Yeah, why don't you have a cold shower, the fuck? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I'm fully aware that in that darkness, that is not going to be what you're going to want to hear. So we're incredibly lucky that we have these medications that are going to help get people out of that situation. My fear with that is, is that it then becomes it that's it you're put on the antidepressant and there's nothing after that like 
I wonder should your antidepressants work hand in hand with when you get to a place where you're stable enough to start, you know, focusing on all of the different practices that we know help, you know, with mental illness and stuff like that. Like, do you use that? So you use the antidepressant to get up the ladder and then you get out the other side of it by by bringing these practices yeah into they, your they life. take it the antidepressants should in my view at least they should take you out of the hole yeah and once you're out of the hole yeah. it should be on you then yeah. to fucking you know make your way from there for sure yeah yeah um, because you know all of them practices that I've spoken about there today well not all of them but the the likes of say you know the breath work the diet the exercise the cold water showers the science is coming in on them now like the science that's been done with Wim Hof the science that's been done with meditation over years you know we've an abundance of science now with diet and exercise and all of that we're seeing the massive benefits that all of them things are having on mental health so why not use the antidepressants to get us to a place where that becomes much more doable and then use them things or add them things into your life. And I'm not saying that once you get there, you'd have to stop taking all tablets. There may be something that's not as strong because from, you know, from the, you know, the different podcasts I would have listened to or the different people I've spoken to with antidepressants, it feels like there's a real numbing that comes with them and numbing to life. Like there's no highs or lows. You're literally at a plateau and that to me would not be a good place to be in. Like, you know, if life was just a complete plateau, like it wouldn't seem like a healthy place for me to be in. And that seems to be from my limited, very fucking limited understanding of it, that that's where the antidepressant tries to bring you to, is a place of plateau where there's no highs or lows in it, like, to know. Yeah, there's, there's an element of escapism in it as well, isn't mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a numbing yeah. element to it. Um, and again, I don't mean to talk shit about them, I mean, they, 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 they help lots of people, I just, yeah. I wish, um, I wish that the day you started them, I wish that would denote the day you started trying getting off them. Yeah. Yeah, there's an exit strategy. Yeah, there very rarely seems to be an exit yeah, strategy. And yeah. the, the, I was going to say the pharmaceutical industry, but just the, the medical industry generally, you know, they're, they're not in the habit of weaning you off what they give you. Well, there's no profit in curing you. That's well, the thing, that's like, the, you know that's what the I mean? problem. Like, and that's, you know, that's what I find with, you know, the big pushback against the psychedelics and all of that kind of thing is you, you can't paint breeding. Do you know what I mean? You can't make money off teaching yes. breeding unless you're selling them an app or you're selling them whatever. Like, But for a doctor to prescribe, well, here's, you need to do this four rounds of this breath work and a four five minute ice cold shower afterwards. Yeah, and spend time with oh, your family. Yeah, and. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you can't, you can't patent any of that. Like, sure, you know, what they're trying to do now and, you know, I, I sent you the, a link to a video there and it or whatever and it's the scary thing of what they're trying to do with the psychedelic at the minute is, is, is so they can't patent the plant. So what they're trying to patent is the experience. So they're trying to, so there's a, one of the big pharmaceutical companies over in America now is trying to patent the use of music, the use of, even down to the, even down to the, they're trying to patent the uh, psychologist that might be working, you being able to put his hand on your shoulder, his or her hand on your shoulder to soothe you through the experience. So they're trying to patent all these things. Yeah, you can't, you can't so put your sh- arm around someone to console them. We have the patent on that. Exactly, like, exactly. So then they're <laughs> then fucking, so they're in control, right? We can't control the plants. We can't control the plants or the psychedelics because they're just the compound. But we can control the whole 
you know, the satin setting of it is what they're trying yeah, to Yeah, patent the satin setting. Patent the satin setting and say you can't do it unless you're buying it from us and coming and doing it in our place, like, you know. And that's, you know, that's the that's the worrying thing with it, like, you know. Yeah, well, look, all these things, we live in a, like it or lump it, we live in a capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. so these things are going to creep in. Yeah. And I think the best thing that people can do generally to push back against everything is by self-help it's yeah. looking after yourself do you know what kind of way because you're, you're you're i think you're less likely to trip and fall into these holes in the first place yeah. and that's the i suppose that's the most important thing um in a sense it's that what you've outlined there is they're they're practices for a good life they're not practices for people who are depressed yeah do you know what kind of way yeah, they're, yeah. they're not practices for people who are into psychedelics. They're not practices for people who are into spirituality. Yeah. They're well-known practices. I mean, fuck, who was it that said, let food be thy medicine? Was, God, I don't know. It was Aristotle. It was one of the right. Greek, like, you know, there's nothing new about this, yeah, any yeah. of this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, how safe. old is yoga? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 5,000 years old. That we know of, the, like, do you know? I was just about to say, that's the earliest that we know of it within Hinduism, like it's kind of 5,000 years old, I suppose, at all. Is that where the whole chakra thing comes from? Is that yoga? Um, yeah, see, what the, what the chakras are, are there's seven energy points in your body running from, you know, from your pelvic area up to your crown chakra on your head, like, and they kind of say that, you know, there's seven energy points in your body. And the idea is, is of, you know, you can do meditations where you, where you focus on each of the chakra areas and it's about opening up your chakras. And that's what yoga is supposed to do as well as it's supposed to cleanse and clean these energy points. And the crown chakra is supposed to be when you've, you know, when you've worked on all of them things and it opens, you have that transcendent experience. Like if you that transcendent experience of the divine, like, you know, Okay. That's what the chakras are. There, there are seven energy points that are in your body. And is, bear with me now, I'm, I'm going to reach with a bit of an analogy as I love to do. So, that's all within, that's all under the umbrella of Hinduism. Um, I'm not so sure if that's within Hinduism. Okay, well, for, like for, as, yeah. aside from that then, it had a, like yoga has a, a kind of a, a religious a religious pretext doesn't it oh it would of course yeah. because as i said to you you know when the words yoga the original form of it is anything that communes you with the divine like, okay you know so that I mean? could be like, sparring well more along the lines of like how this came out within it would be true more so like your meditation your yoga your different kind of practices within that philosophy or whatever like you okay know? so that's what they they would put that under the umbrella of yoga Whereas okay. in the West, we've turned yoga into just the stretching, the stretching aspects of Cause, it. Because like, that's, that's what I was going to get to. I wonder, and this is the analogy that I'm going to see exists. I'm not sure if it does or not, but the analogy is you go to another country, so Australia, say, from Ireland. So you've grown up in Ireland. You're familiar with Irish culture. You're familiar with mass and getting the Eucharist and all that jazz. And then you go to Australia, who's essentially stolen certain things from Ireland like we've stolen certain things from the east and you go to this kind of class once a week whereby you queue up and you get you know the body of Christ and they put a little cracker in your mouth and you nod yeah, yeah. and you go back and you you kind of you say a few quiet words to yourself is do you see where I'm coming from like we we took something and made it a class and now we do it and we have this thing, but it bears no resemblance to oh, the actual yeah, background like, of, of what I think of that's what, what I was saying. That's what I was saying to you earlier. Like we've 
you know, we've taken God out of all of these things. Yes. We bring these things from the East, or we bring them over here, and we, we take God out of them, and we, you know, we talk about them, you know, you know, oh, well, the science behind mindfulness, and the science behind this, and yeah, the Yeah, and we put a label that, on like, it and a price tag. And yeah, and we, we leave out, we don't like, I always find it funny when I'm listening to scientists talking about the psychedelic experience, and they're, you know, they're finding the words, they're, they're finding it hard to use the words, because they don't want to say the word God, or spirit, or consciousness, like, because when you You've had that experience. I don't know how you couldn't use them fucking words, like. But they don't want to use them words because it's you know whether it's a fact of you know they'll get laughed out of the science community or whether there's still a big pushback against all of them things, like. But I think unfortunately, and it's I think it's what what you're seeing happen with the psychedelic movement over in them place where they're trying to legalize them and they're taking out they're taking out these these. And again, this is, I suppose, just my opinion. I want to, I want to say that this is just my opinion. Like these things are best done under a ceremonial practice, where there's rituals involved, where there's you know somebody who knows what they're doing and you know knows how to ease you in and out of the spirit world, because that's how the shamans talk about. It. They say that's where you're going. You're going in and out of the spirit realm. And if you're doing that with the right set, the right intentions, if you're bringing the right intentions to it. And an understanding of what you're becoming involved in, that's where you'll have the most, you know, enlightening experience. If you're doing this by going into a, you know, a doctor's lab and it's, you know, it's all, you know, it's like a cold, it's like a cold laboratory setting or whatever. And, you know, he's sitting there and he's, okay. well, here's your prescription for the day. And do you know what I mean? Here, just put that music on. And, you know, that's just that. It's massively lost a huge proponent of it. Like the this the psychedelic, the like the you know, for instance, the mushroom, it's the key to unlocking your consciousness to show you the realms of the divine of the divine. If you're not putting that into a proper context with a proper ritual and a proper ceremony around it, I would struggle to see where you get the full benefit from it. That's not to say that you're not going to get benefits from it, but it's it's like the yoga and it's like the meditation where we've taken God out of that. People aren't aspiring to anything with these things. They're just thinking, oh, I'll just go there and I'll learn mindfulness and I'll quiet my mind. But you're missing the goal. You're missing the end goal of it. And then you're probably going to very quickly go, oh, can we bother with that now after a while? Like, you know. Is it a bit like going to the zoo? As opposed to, you know, going into going nature. Safari. Or going yeah. on safari. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. There's something hollow about being in the zoo, isn't there? Like, you yeah. go to the zoo and you're seeing all the animals caged up. And it's kind of, ah, yeah, no way, there's a lion. But if you were over in Africa and you've seen a lion 20 foot away from the <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're like, there's a fucking lion. Like, but it's funny, it's though, lion. because the, with, the, with the psychedelics and the, the effects that they have on people, it's not the drug, per se, it's the experience. Mm. Do you know, like, so it's not like the, you know, X amount of micrograms of LSD or, you know, fucking DMT or whatever it is, THC. Like you could give that to somebody in a, you know, in a, in their sitting room with their best friend and somebody who knows the psychedelic literature well and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And you, you have the date set and you've been thinking about it for months. You're going to have a very different experience on the exact same substance and the exact same amount of substance as you are if... You know, you're fucking living rough in the street and you're under a bridge and you find this thing. You're like, oh, fuck it, I may as well take it. Like, you know, you're taking exactly the same stuff, yeah. but it's the experience that actually oh, that has the effect. Yeah, it's nothing it's to do with the drug per yeah. se. I agree with you because like 
to, for me, the ceremony doesn't... The ceremony isn't the night you're doing the ceremony. The ceremony is the month beforehand when you set your date. The date, yeah. Once the and date from is that's set. it, that's your ceremony. And your ceremony should, you know, involve you purifying your mind and your body as much as you can to, you know... To, to clean your 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 looking glass so that you can see the divine as clearly and as cleanly as you can, but I wonder if you're going there under a clinical setting where you know, oh God, I'm going now to see the doctor and I'm going to go and take you know this that, substance or that substance and you know like uh, just the anxiety uh, of being in yeah, a hospital exactly like, like it's who not, wants to be near a hospital? You want to do psychedelics out in nature. You want to do it or as close to nature as you can. Like do you know what I mean? Going into a big concrete building and like I do like you know from the different podcasts I've listened to on it and people talking about they are trying to set up these rooms as you know so that they're not so clinical I've, or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? I've, I've seen them but, but they're still missing the ritual aspect they're still missing the ceremonial aspect of it which is a massive part of it a massive you still massive have to fucking sit in traffic for two hours uh, before you get to yeah. the hospital and then pay for parking yeah. and then fucking go to reception and worry yeah. about where you have to go yeah. like, there's none of that no not at all is it didn't happen none in Peru, of it. I can tell you that <laughs> but, it, but it's funny though but and again this is the the bastardization of all these practices and not not even the bastardization of it but the we put lipstick on things. Mm. So you have to go and you have to pay, you have to find a car parking space, then you have to fucking put the fucking ticket on it or whatever, and then you have to go to reception, and you have to walk down, you have to walk past sick people, and you fucking have to walk past doctors and white coats and st- the smell of chlorine and all the rest of it. But it's okay because we've made this room lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, like, anyway, we slap a bit of lipstick on it, and that's supposed to be the same. Like, and you know? come here, you're, you're administering me these medicines. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've obviously had experience with them. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm a doctor. Yeah. What? No, I'm a doctor. Right, yeah. so you're telling me that nobody the, in this room has any experience of taking these yeah, psychedelics. This is for sick people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but even that framing, like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm the medical exactly. profession, yeah. professional, yeah. I'm administering this drug yeah, to you, sick, the yeah. broken person, yeah, yeah. and we're trying to fix you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and then you, but you compare that to going to the shaman, and he's talking about spirit, and he's talking about healing your soul, and he's talking yeah. about, it's so romantic and poetic that it automatically, you know, it automatically puts you at ease. Mm-hmm. It sets the, the tone. Exactly that. It sets the tone, like you know. And hopefully, you're not going to these people when you're sick, because I don't think psychedelics, like the, calling them a medicine, is one thing, but viewing them as something that are to help people who are sick. Yeah. I think they can help people who are sick. Yeah. But I would argue you're far better off taking psychedelics once you've obviously you know gone down the rabbit hole and studied it to a certain degree and you know you've you've read good trip reports and bad trip reports and you've you've found out who Terence McKenna is and Timothy yeah. Leary or you know you've some idea of Absolutely. the world of of psychedelia yeah. um and a role in shamanic practices yes I very much so and the history of yeah, it and how it was happened yeah. cross culturally and exactly. you might be doing t- DMT but yeah. there's you know there's THC and there's psilocybin yeah. and there's LSD and there's all these other different places other, all these other substances and all these other different people who've all stro- striven to do the same thing yeah. but I think you're far better off doing it from a like when you've got your life together yeah do you know what kind of way yeah. and once again it's like what we were talking about earlier this idea of getting your own life in order before you go out and criticise the world yeah ideally you'd have a lot of your own shit put to bed before you go doing psychedelics they're not a f- I don't think they're a first no, you don't, don't think want you to should go there reach if for them just 
being broken up with your, you know, your partner and your heart is broken, the last thing you want to do is start eating psychedelics or you don't want to, you know, two or three weeks after, you know, you've lost maybe your mom or your dad, the first thing you you don't want to be doing is, you know, doing your first psychedelic experience. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when you're in a place of complete vulnerability and complete pain, a psychedelic is not going to cure that for you. Mm. As you said, you need to have done some of the work to cure that and heal that. And, you know, the best way to go into a psychedelic experience is in a good frame of mind. Yes. Like, it's it's not going to heal you from, you know, the break of a relationship or the the. Lo- it might help you deal with them instances a year down the line when you've done some of the work already. But that should not be your goal to two weeks after you've just been dumped out of a 10-year relationship. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it's not a good place to be like, you know, you need to be somewhat of a healthy mind like, you know. Yeah, it's like that thing, you know, my my kid just died so I want to have a psychedelic experience. Yeah. When, when should I do it? Yeah. Well, you should have done it fucking four years before your kid died. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not to be flippant about it, mm. but, you know, you, you should do these things so that you can grow and you can learn and you can, because there's a, there's a big element of voluntary um, stress with the psychedelic experience because it's not all fucking sunshine and fucking oh, rainbows not no for sure and i can you know it and again it, this is why i feel these practices are a massive benefit to anybody who's doing psychedelics or thinking about doing psychedelics because again they're putting you under them stresses they're putting you under you know you're you're learning through the meditation to slow the, the thinking mind down which you know can overpower you in the psychedelic experience if you let it like you know if if you get a negative thought pattern within the psychedelic experience you, it can drag you down a rabbit hole but if you you know are used to meditating if you're used to doing your yoga and you're used to kind of focusing and all of that and controlling you your breath control it far better and especially controlling your breath and things like that like you know so you know i think i'd you know i'd said to you before about this it's nearly a funny one this list of practices it's it's which comes first the chicken or the egg do you do these to prepare for a psychedelic practice? But then when you do the psychedelic practice, it seems to drive you more into wanting to do these things like. So it's a kind of a, you know, which is supposed to come first? You know, ideally, you probably should be using some of these practices first. Now, not always the case and stuff like that. Like, But when I said the real work starts after the psychedelic experience, these are the practices that I felt have kept that glow going within me. Yeah. And I reckon, or I would imagine it, it works both ways. So I don't like the idea of, you know, good or bad psychedelic experiences, mm. um, kind of beneficial and challenging or slightly better. Yeah. But regardless which terminology you use, the uh, the practices post the psychedelic experience can help you kind of hold on to the oneness with or the unity feeling that's mm. kind of known to be possible through uh, ingesting psychedelics that can help with that but I'd imagine it'd also help you deal with a terrible experience because I've I've had them and I'm sure you have I know yeah. you have as well and like on one hand you can come out of a psychedelic experience feeling nothing but love and unity with the world but on the other hand you can come out sweating and shivering and wondering will you ever take psychedelics again yeah, probably yeah. fucking not yeah yeah and your practices will essentially help it both mm. like oh, oh, sorry, no no just, just just in finishing I, mm. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before but I've often wondered is that duality within the psychedelic experience they can bring it to heaven and they can bring it to hell 
are they showing you what's on top of the mountain to show you what's possible in a good way? And are they showing you the demons and the depths of hell to show you what you should be avoiding? 100%. So this idea, you've got a hell to avoid and a heaven to strive for, which would be the Christian terminology, basically. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, I found in Peru, you know, as I said to you before, like, they they were quite demonic at the start and stuff like that. And that's what, you know, really makes me not want to go to them places again because I've seen them things. And, you know, when I had the experience recently enough where I met that devil where I had to make peace with that devil inside myself like when I spoke to people maybe for a couple of days after that like I would have said to them if that had happened to me the first time I took a psychedelic I would never have taken a psychedelic again like that would have been it but because of the experiences I'd had in Peru and at different times with psychedelics but also massively to them practices that I'd done, I felt quite comfortable in there. I felt as comfortable in the darkness as I did in the light. And I put that down to preparing my mind through them practices to be able to do them things. Yes. So they certainly, you know, the psychedelic can spiral either way, good or bad, if you let it. You know what I mean? If you... If, if you and again, good or bad is the wrong terminology to use because, you know, it's my belief there's no good or bad psychedelic experience. There's the psychedelic experience. like you know And what it's mean? what you it's, make of it. It's what you make of it. It's the lessons you take from it. It's how you let it inspire you to be a better person and to grow and to hopefully, you know, bring that into the world and embody them teachings that it gives you in there. Like some of my best psychedelic experiences have been my hardest nights like that lesson I learned with that devil inside myself has changed me massively like I because I I've learned to love the negative aspects of myself and it's somewhat made me whole I'm not saying it stopped them negative aspects it'll never ever do that but it it's made me accept them as part of myself and being able to control them far better than I ever could have done had I not have had that experience. And no, no, maybe I'd have maybe I'd have learned that in a different way across my life. But to experience it like that, because I'd read that from young, I'd you know I'd I'd heard them teachings before, but to fully experience it was like right. I understand it now. It became a part of me that lesson. Like yeah, you got it. You, got you knew it, and then you got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. So I would never say there's good or bad psychedelic experiences. But if you are very new to the psychedelic experience, and were to have a, an experience like that, you would absolutely call it bad. You know. Yeah, especially if you don't have the set and setting and you don't yeah. have the intentions and you don't have somebody there to, yeah. to guide you through the yeah. the experience, yeah. good or bad. Yeah, no, for sure. Brother, I'm going to get you back on, obviously, because we <laughs> haven't, as usual, scratched the surface. Yeah. I've said to you before, I've gotten an agreement from yourself and... Um, Mr. Pork Riley, a.k.a. Podge, past guest in front of the show. Both of you are going to sit down here and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. <laughs> um, I just put my feet up and have a drink and have a smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe do some yoga over there or something. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, have you social media handles? I don't think you do, but have you an no. email address right and you want to put out? You don't have to, obviously, but just in case anybody has been yeah, struck with something you've said. Yeah, I know. Just, it's just really my name. So it's just ivormcquillen at gmail.com. That'd be it. Now, to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't be the best for checking and replying on that. Like, <laughs> and I'm not 
great replying in general to people on different things like obviously on WhatsApp things like that I would like but social media I'm not on any of them really to be honest with you oh, and to be honest with you I'm, I'm only on them because of promoting the whole off the league yeah, thing yeah, yeah. so on that note if you have any questions either for myself or Mr yeah. McQuillan you'll get us on the off the lead WhatsApp number 089 <laughs> and Ivor until the next time it's oh, been right, an absolute right, pleasure right. absolutely thank you very much again for having me sure.